And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer out, freak! Along the circus, right next to the dog-faced boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit. Ah! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? And now... Together by live simulation via the internet. Luke Jack Kennedy, Chris Tyler. Chris Honeywell. Boy, is he strange. It appears we have lost our sex appeal, Captain. Yes. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. It's the fifth Monday. Yes, a legendary fifth Monday. It doesn't happen very often, but but when it does, we, we plan something special. And this time, um, when I say we, it was this was Luke's idea. I'm here with uh, with my co-host from the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, Luke Giaconetti. Hey, everybody. And the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. Summer movies, yeah! And and Luke had Luke had the idea of this, and the plan was probably to get a whole bunch of people in Scott Gardner, but Scott Gardner is just missing in action this month, so it's yeah, up he, to us. So he made that podcast about a boat, and that just took up all his time, apparently. Yeah, it's it, boat went down something. He's just been waterlogged for the rest of the month. Yeah, he's drowning, drowning in his work. <laughs> the icy cold embrace of a podcast. The uh, the the amazing three amazing thing about Titanic is is I don't know if you guys are uh, you know <laughs> see uh, what trends on Twitter or on Reddit or whatnot but there were people that didn't know the Titanic was real. I know there was a twi- like a Twitter feed of, of teenagers who were like Duh, I thought that was just a movie. I mean there have been numerous times I wanted to jump through the computer and and strangle somebody like a Horace Pinker from Shocker. This is one. <laughs> yeah, it's that's 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 not only a sad state of our American youth, but our our school systems. And yeah, I'll tell you the way I feel about that. You remember those old commercials where they'd have the Native American looking at his decimated land and crying? Yes. <laughs> I I see myself as as the Native American. And the, those and, kids and, and are I just, just driving by and throwing their McDonald's out at your feet. No, they're just they're driving by with their ignorance, and I and I weep for them. It's very sad. All right, well, way to set the tone. Yeah. Well, I also think I think Scott Gardner also he's been neglecting his wife and kids lately, so 
you know. Well, well he's married. That's what you do. Right, right. That's what but I hear he's, anyway. He's, he's got to spend some time with him, and you know how it is. Women and children first. Oh! <laughs> 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 Woo! Going All right, let's, stop. let's stop doing that right away. Yeah. <laughs> I should like say he, I'll stop doing that. Right as away. if he doesn't hate this trio enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is looking to be quite a summer for nerd movies and general action and even horror and you know fantasy or just nerd related or um um genre yeah genre and there's um i'm trying to think of the word of it franchise there's a lot of franchise work in this summer well, well, unfortunately, that that's been most summers, and and mm-hmm. this one I think is is worse than than most, but it, it's been an, a fairly alarming trend. I I like to joke that there are five films nominated every year for the Academy Awards for Best Original Screenplay, and they are the five films produced that year with an original screenplay. So <laughs> right, right. Well, at least this summer there are a lot of franchises. But at least they're, they're sort of the top tier of franchises. They're sort of the you know the the flagships. You know, you got your 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 Spider-Man, your Batman, your um, Marvel. Yeah, Mar- your your Marvel, your your Avengers. Men in Black Three is that's a pretty prestigious franchise. Yeah, it I is. guess as far as that way. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it's 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 been. You don't think about one, it, but Men in Black, those two movies made a, a buttload of money. A buttload of money, and they were very well critically received, and and they were they were both solid movies. I like two actually better than one. Well, I think part of the problem with Men in Black is, is I mean, it's been how many years since the last one came out? You know, twelve. It's really been that long. I think so. I mean, the first one was what ninety seven, I think. Yeah, but from, from but, it, the... but it's been it's been at least a decade, so it's kind of been out of the public eye for a good long while. Yes, I was. I was very. I didn't even know it was happening till I saw till we were preparing for the show, and I said, "Really?" And I went and watched the preview for it, and said, "It looks like the other men. It looks yeah. like the other Men in Black with a time travel twist to it." Pretty much. I'm, yeah. but I'm down for it. I like the other two Men in Black. I like seeing, I like seeing Will Smith in comedic roles more than dramatic roles. Uh, dramatic roles, he tends to take himself. Too just too seriously, and and I like it. I, I like, and he and I, I mean, he and Tommy Lee Jones look, they they look up to being their characters. You know, they don't, they're not suffering the the Shatner syndrome or anything like that. You know, the Star Trek Five syndrome or anything like that. So, yeah, do it. What if they're gonna do it? Do it now, I guess. <laughs> Although Fair enough. it looks Fair like enough. it looks like for most of the movie it might not even be Tommy Lee Jones as yeah. his character. So yeah, it's, uh, no, they give us Brand from Goonies. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got to put a, a new twist on it, you know. And uh, Will Smith was always has, has been more marketable in the interim since Tommy than Tommy Lee Jones, I would probably say. So when I'm an old fat, I like Tommy Lee Jones more than Will Smith. I, Every, like I don't know. Everybody likes Tommy Lee Jones. How can you not? He's just awesome. I think Will Smith is too. I think that in the combination is just like you almost can't go. If if the writing is good for this movie, it'll probably be really good. I mean, you know, like you said, the other two Men in Black are they movies I'm ever going to throw into the DVD player? Probably not, but they're one that if it's on like TNT and for a while, the first one was on TNT like every other weekend. 
Yeah. You know, I'm I'm gonna watch it because they're they're entertaining. You know, they're they're fun to watch. They're they're not too serious, in in general. They're you know very, fairly light. You know, good good effects. You know, it's it's always always something going on in there. Keep moving, yeah. And uh, I mean, the first one was it the first one that had Vincent D'Onofrio in it? I, I'll yeah. watch Vincent D'Onofrio in anything. He was awesome in that. Just as he was sort of doing a little Christopher Lloyd thrown in there he yeah was doing oh, like yeah. the, the I, new well, version of christopher lloyd <laughs> yeah i love the first one that was shit i enjoyed the hell out of that one i was like oh we we have like a new ghostbusters type franchise right right that's exactly what i would compare it to and and i bet you this one will be will be it'll it'll follow a lot of the same conventions of the other two and then it'll have the twists in it, you know, the time travel twist in it. But it'll still be sort of the same. It'll be the it'll be the first movie again, you know. I, I, I'm I'm sure they're not gonna they're not gonna change it. I said the, the first two movies both did boffo business. You're not if it ain't if it ain't broke, you're not gonna fix it. Generally, right, right. And and I also I'm well, Tommy. Uh, I was gonna say I also have faith in Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith going. Oh well, you know I want the right script for it, but you can't depend on that anymore because that's what Harrison Ford said about Indiana Jones too. Mm. Oh, I wouldn't do it unless the script was right. But <laughs> yeah, and it was stuffed with hundred dollar bills. <laughs> it was printed on hundred dollar bills. But um. I, I, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm gonna I actually I like that movie. But I'm one of the Crystal few. Skull. Yeah, I like Crystal Skull. I, I, I think do, I do too. I need to watch it again. I've I've only actually seen it once because I I actually won the DVD in a contest, and uh, so and and so I watched it when I got the DVD. I was like, oh, it's pretty good. And I was like, eh. And so and I've caught bits and pieces here and there on TV. And it's like I need to sit down and watch this again because I don't remember enough of it. You know, I remember the major set pieces, but you know, uh-huh. I really form an opinion. There, there. You know, and you know, guys know that some movies are like that. You know, and it, uh, there's a couple parts where it bogs down, but when it moves, I I liked it. I I the monkeys and the ants, eh, didn't bother me. The refrigerator, I loved the refrigerator. Sorry, I, I, did, I loved I did, it. I did too. <laughs> Don't I, tell I, I ate it up, man. It was just right. Yeah, just right. Just right. Now another. Uh, that provides for an interesting segue, because another film that uh, I liked when I first watched, but have since cooled quite a bit on, was The Dark Knight. And uh, you know, as as you said, Chris, uh, Dark Knight Rises, uh, that comes out. When does that come out? July twentieth. July twentieth. And of all the movies that that we had on the list you generated here, that is possibly the one I am the least excited for. Um, when my wife and I saw The Dark Knight in the theater, I enjoyed it. I, I thought Batman Begins was good. You know, I've got a relatively low... Um, I've developed a scale called the Minimum Batman Appreciation Index. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the gist of it is is that every single comic book fan has some minimum basic level that they like Batman at. The MBAP. Uh, exactly. Mm. Unlike, some, unlike a character like, say, Superman... Where and and if you listen to, to Scott and and Michael uh, Michael Bailey talk about this, you you know this kind of reaction that there are fans who absolutely despise Superman and everything about him. I've yet to meet anyone who absolutely despises Batman. Everyone likes him at some minimum level. Right. They might despise some incarnation of him or right. version of him, but 
but there's always something that they gravitate towards in life. It's it, it's 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 just a, this phenomenon. I think Batman's human, maybe. <laughs> it's part of it, and part of it is that you know DC markets him like he's uh, you know the combination of sliced bread and butter and tubs. So you know. <laughs> and when you're a kid, it's conceivable that you could grow up to be rich and buff, <laughs> and you could conceivably you know in some. In, you could more conceivably become Batman than you could Superman. You yes. know, you're sort of born Superman, so. But I have a relatively low minimum Batman appreciation index. Uh-huh. So, but even with that, like I said, I, I liked The Dark Knight when I saw it, but by the time it came uh, that fall, I, we were, we were you know, we were visiting my in-laws, and, and they wanted to watch. I was like, oh, I don't really want to watch this again, you know? And, and now all of the stuff I've seen for Dark Knight Rises... I mean, I'm sorry, it's just turning me off. The idea of Bane as a terrorist is so out there and so just, to, it, in my opinion, wrongheaded that it just completely misses the point of the character Bane. And then you get um, you get Selina Kyle talking like a 99 percenter. It's like, what? It's yeah, Selena that, Kyle. It's, it's that so polite. It's one percenter. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, that does not make sense. This is no one grasping at straws almost is what it feels like it sounds like it, it, it has the feeling just from the previews of throwing the spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks but i will i will always say that that's what happened to the dark knight the dark knight returns is is it was he threw you mean the all dark this the dark knight yeah what am i thinking what Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns is Frank Miller. Is the Frank Miller one? Okay, yeah, the the the, the second Dark Knight movie. Cause I I liked um I liked the first one, not a lot, but I enjoyed it. I I was like that's a I thought it was a good take on it. It was it was a modernist sort of take on Batman, and, yeah. and that was refreshing. But by the time we got to the second one, you know. I yeah, it was it was too much, and this looks like more of the same, but maybe with a little less thought put into it. Then the then the for this one looks like it might be a little cartoony. My hope with it is that it will be an uncontrollable train wreck, and will be fun on that level. You know, it's I mean, still gonna make a shitload of money. Oh, it's gonna make a boatload of money because you know, I mean, people, I mean, people just love this. The majority of people really love this version of Batman and I mean I hear people that I think think are intelligent all the time very intelligent all the time just you know state that you know you know Dark Knight was just one of the the greatest superhero movies of all time you know Christopher Nolan's a genius and yeah and, because and that's that's, that's that. because that's because they're the asshole fans that don't really like comic books and if you took the damn ears off the bat suit then it's just heat with a guy in a fucking black rubber I, I, I mean, you know, I think they, I think they genuinely enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, I understand. I mean, we all. I mean, we've. The, this is a theme that runs through everything the three of us do. Is we all understand, you know, that you, you just like what you like, you know, and, yeah. and people like that. And I, and I think there is, a, since it's super popular, there's always going to be a, an amount of going along with the crowd with it, or people who are afraid to be like well i didn't think it was that good you know or or whatever but yeah people are really jazzed for this and, and eh. well you know and and um 
I, I think I think you and Scott touched on this on your when you guys did the commentary. I think it was during podcast vacation. You did the commentary on on yeah. Dark. And uh, and folks, if you haven't heard that, please go to the archives and find it because uh, Scott and Chris very succinctly over the course of the film explained and vocalized a lot of the problems that that I and a lot of my colleagues and friends had with the film in a way that I had been unable to do as succinctly. So I think they did a good job with that. But, you know, uh, there, there's this attitude amongst a lot of the film's fans that, oh, no one and, and Goyer, that they reinvented Batman. They reinvented the Joker. It's like, no, they really didn't. All this all this stuff, the, like, give, take, for example, the idea of the Joker as an anarchist is seen as something new and revolutionary. It's like, that's not new and revolutionary. That was new and revolutionary 30 years ago. That's kind of what a Joker is, you know? It's like Loki, it's like... Well, I mean, they, they remember Cesar Romero, and they remember right. um, um, uh, Jack Nicholson, but it's like, that's not what the Joker has been in, you know, the idea of the Joker doing things just for the sheer anarchy of it, that's been an aspect of the character for a very long time. That wasn't something that was created by the performance of Heath Ledger or created by the direction of Christopher Nolan. And and it's a misconception. No, it, it was kind of something they brought back, actually. That could have been a good thing, you know. Well, I, I actually, I like the per performance of the Joker. I'm, I'm, and, and I'm not criticizing the performance. I, I don't have, I mean, for for the way that the Joker is, per, is portrayed in that film, I think he was fine. But my point is, is that there, you know, Nolan gets hailed as this visionary genius. It's like all he's doing is taking stuff that you know, comic book writers and artists did for years and years, and just doing it in a in a flashy, big budget way. It, that 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 to me is not that's that. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't have a problem with a good adaptation, but the, some of the accolades that get heaped upon it just it just sticks in my craw. Oh, the thing the thing is, I don't hold it against Christopher Nolan because I think Christopher Nolan is is a good filmmaker. I mean, basically. I mean, you know, The Dark Knight, whatever, I thought it was a, f a, a failure as a film, but I didn't think it was, you know, it wasn't Batman and Robin or, or, or one of those, you know, just total train crashes. But I just think he's been... But all of his movies have been sort of like puzzled by... They remind me of some of the more... And I don't want to sound like I'm being critical with it, but the more unpleasant aspects of, say, like art rock, where you have the musicians who are overplaying a little bit or being too too complicated, <laughs> you know, yeah. for the sake of saying, look how complicated these are. You know, um, a Memento is a perfect example of that, which I thought was a fine movie. And it was one of those movies where you had to work through yeah. it, you know, to get through it. You had to you had to be on your game. The yeah. whole time, but at the end of it, the end result was okay. You were on your game and you followed the story, but you're not left with any like deeper. You know, it would have reached genius if in Stanley Kubrick's hand, where there would have been some underlying message or something that haunted you from the movie afterwards. But it's more like a puzzle that you have to figure out. Same with Inception, and uh, I have to see some of his other other movies too. But it's like the Lamont configuration. The Lamont. Lamont from from Sanford and Son? No. Hellraiser? Hellraiser. Oh, oh! Now that would be I was in the right neighborhood, right? On Esther comes out with her face bisected. Yeah. I told you not to touch that box, fool! In that box, yeah. the biggest one ever. I'm coming off! 
<laughs> you old heathen! <laughs> oh shit! Ah! Uh, oh, we, let's shut up about Sanford and Son, or somebody's gonna make a movie about it. No, no, we got With an all-white cast. Sanford and Son meets Hellraiser. Samuel and Son. Samuel. And Son. <laughs> it would be Sanford and Son nowadays. It, okay, if they did Sanford and Son, and they got Samuel Jackson to be Fred Sanford. Yeah. We might be talking turkey here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think you're going to go with the father from Friday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yep, Will Smith I, is Lamont. And, I, they, I, and you get Bill Clinton. I guess I'd see that. Prince, you know? And Oprah Winfrey is Annette Esther. No, a, don't put Oprah Winfrey on a, in, in any <laughs> movie ever again. That's the, you get you get Bill Cosby to produce, and then you can have a cameo from the Cosby Kids. Oh, oh. Fat Albert, you know the whole crew. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a successful summer movie right there. No, no, it wasn't. All right. Fortunately, Bill Cosby just doesn't have the best track record in film. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> fuck you, Leonard Part Six is fucking brilliant. <laughs> I still haven't that, seen that. That's saying money what? <laughs> I might do Ghost Dad for a media masochist someday. I heard that's pretty bad. It, it is. All right. So so far this summer, it's looking like men. So far, we got Men in Black Three and and Dark Knight Rises are not lighting a fire for any of us really. So let me let's see. Let's pick something that I know we're all gonna have some enthusiasm for. What about Prometheus? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Eh? What about that? Oh yeah! Oh, give me that. Well, you you know, no, you said, Krista, we had some original stuff and some franchise stuff. I think this one like straddles that border, you know? Yeah, yeah. straddle, straddle it. Yeah, yeah. Straddle. Sorry. Uh, the you know it, it's very clearly, you know, informed from Alien, but this is its own animal, and this looks. I mean, I'm every time I see something for it, I know I just go stone silent, staring at the TV. You know what I'm saying? I've watched that preview for it for about a hundred times, and I, it, and by the time the preview's going, <laughs> I'm just like my heart is pumping. It's just like wow, this, I'm, I really hope it's as good as it looks. I'm very excited about the yeah. just the concept of it, and I know it's been sort of kicking around for years, and Ridley Scott has been sort of talking about it, but I'm really glad that it's coming up, and it's. And and I like that it's it's sort of, it sort of, you were hearing a lot about it, but I think it's getting uh, overshadowed a lot by like Avengers, yeah, and and stuff like that. But I have a feeling this might be Ridley Scott's up and down, but I really like him in general. You know, I'm I've never seen one of his movies that I thought was terrible yet, but I haven't seen all his movies. Well, no, it, there's some that are, are not very good, but I'll put it this way. He's one of those directors, like, for us, John Carpenter, that we're going to see everything he does because you know right. it's going to be at least worth watching. He always tries, yeah. He always is, you know, he's not just out. He's not just looking for a paycheck. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that Scott's a guy, he never just phones it in, you know. He, he, he brings his A game every time he comes out there, whether the material really deserves it or not kind of thing, you know. Yeah. I think the yeah, last I, movie I saw saw of his was Hannibal. I do love that movie. I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved the book too. And that that movie didn't get very good 
reviews. I thought it was fantastic. That's the biggest grossing of all the the Lecta films, too. Really, even bigger yeah. than Silence of the Lambs. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. Again, you gotta you gotta adjust for inflation on that one. It, it had been a number of years since Silence of the Lambs was released by the time Hannibal came out. Because Hannibal. But the buildup for that was like people were freaking out. Oh, oh yeah, because wait. everybody wanted to know what happened with Hannibal after he got out. That's when, you know, that was the big kicker of Silence of the Lambs. It's like, wait, now it's just getting interesting. I'm having an old friend for dinner. <laughs> People really want, you know, I know I really wanted to see him in action and see him. Yeah, I mean, it it it, it set up for the sore disappointment of Hannibal Rising, but... <laughs> Well, you know, pre- prequels really work out. <coughs> George Lucas. But uh, <laughs> the thing about Prometheus and, and what I really hope for with this film is, you know, I, I was born after Alien was released, you know. But my, my you know, my, but my father talks about it. He said that uh, him and, my, um, him and my, my mother, they went to see it's a double feature. I forget that the opening feature was a comedy. And, and I forget what it was. I'll, I'll think of it. I'm sure it'll come to me in a minute. But the, the second feature was was alien and he says that you know going from the comedy with everybody just laughing and having a good time and then alien comes on he says the whole time you could hear a pin drop in the play yeah everyone was so on edge and um that's what i hope for from from prometheus you know i i think we've gotten away from this especially in science fiction where the idea that science fiction is not just you know, hey, let's let's take a western and put it in space. You know, let's uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. Let's get a, a a legitimately scary, suspenseful, well-made science fiction film, not just you know a, a, a creature feature or or a, you know a, a big CGI uh, you know cluster cluster blunk. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing about this is okay. Yeah, we know it's informed by Alien. I know nothing else about this. Exactly. I don't want to know anything about this. Here's here's where I my curiosity killed the cat. I did go and read some of the supposed script for it. I I popped in about the middle of it and started reading. And if that is in fact really the st- the storyline what I was reading, it's vi- it's visceral horror. It's it's sort of like visceral. It's it's more in the Hellraiser H.P. Lovecraft realm mixed with science fiction, which, oh boy, I'm ready for that. You know, I'm, I, it, I mean, it was, I was looking at it and go, this is, this sounds truly scary, you know, and Good. so and, yeah, that's what I want. And and then on top of that, you know, uh, my my thought is, you know, Alien came out in 1979, not only created. A, a franchise that still is, you know, producing new material and is viable to and popular to this day. The alien creature is now fr- a fr- is up there is like a, a a standard creature. It's a Frankenstein or a Wolfman or it's the alien now. Right. Uh, so my my thought is I you know but beyond that you know there there is a school of thought that every horror film that came after Alien has ripped it off in some way. Hmm. You know? And and it's like you know the the potential here. Is, I mean, if, if this movie can deliver on what it's promising, the potential here is for another brand of that level of longevity and popularity. If if this mythology is up to snuff with the type of mythology that 
uh, was started in Alien and then expanded in Aliens and in all the Dark Horse comics and the further films and all that, we could have the start of something that could be something really special. Yeah, and maybe it might help feed some future Alien, some life into the, some future Alien movies. Although, I'm not... I, I I still think the Alien franchise is a very strong franchise. I don't... You know, most people after Aliens are pretty much right off all those... All those, especially three, which I think is the most right offable of all of them. But I liked Alien Four a lot, a lot. I I enjoyed it. It, it, It's a they're they're all different. It's like it's a weird franchise. Oh yeah, where every movie is its different beast, you know. And they bring out an A-list director, a very talented director for each one, and they put an effort into making them. A, a different telling of the tale to where you know parts of Alien 4 were bordering on having slapstick moments because it was <laughs> it was that direct it was a director of Delicatessen um trying to trying to remember his name but um um you know each one had a different theme to it and stuff and um and a different feel and texture to it, but you know when you start taking it out of that into the like the aliens versus predators movies, yeah, it just goes to crap, you know. And then it's just guys running around in the alien suit, and it's ugh. those <laughs> movies should have been the most fun out of all of them. Yeah. And they just and they just weren't. And and the really frustrating thing is that there are several alien versus predator. Um, comic series from Dark Horse that, that were, were great. Great. Yeah. And, and they went in a different direction on both films. It's like you've got all this source material that is ripe for adapting. It's so it, it seems like such a no-brainer. It's like if you want to be lazy with an Alien and Predator movie, just write a whole movie of aliens and predators fighting. And guess what? I'll I'll enjoy the hell out of that if it's good and action-filled and gory and, and, and stuff. Further I think the biggest fuck you in that friend the, the AVP the AVP franchise is like fuck Earth I don't want it to be set on Earth yeah, it's Alien why? versus Predator put it someplace weird where we have no idea what's going on yeah uh, but you know what though if if you have to set it on Earth I'm okay with how they did it in in the first Alien versus Predator in the, uh, the in the subterranean stuff under the in the Arctic something it, it's an, it's still an alien environment I'm doing air quotes up to the microphone here. Uh, you know, so it's something that that at least it's it's not you know it's not the jungle like the first Predator. It's not Los Angeles like Predator Two. It's something strange. It has a certain uh, um, otherworldly feel other, to it. You know, it's uh, it's the idea of like you know an old adventure film breaking into a, a tomb and being transported to another time, sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah. So you make it sound so good, and they bungled they know, it so I mean. bad. But that's the thing. As a concept, the concept works. It's the execution. You first off, making it PG thirteen handcuffs you. In in and when you're making a film, crossing over two franchises that had both been R. Yeah, yeah. And then and then you uh, you you lose focus. You know, halfway through the film, and you forget that there are that there's aliens and predators that are supposed to be fighting. You know that <laughs> that's what that's what got people here. You know. Yeah. Uh, what one thing that absolutely amazed me, a and we of, have the technology to show that quite often on the screen these the days. Effects were fine, the effects were pretty neat. I mean, I had said at the time, if they made an, if they, if this was the '90s and they had made an Aliens vs. Predator toy line, I'd have bought some of the uh, Aliens and Predators from that film. They, they did. 
Well, I mean, if they made one that was, you know, actually <laughs> available. But anyway. <laughs> no, I, I had the they, they had some AVP toys. What did I they? Remember, yeah, I remember having them. I got a. Uh, oh shit! It was like I got like two alien warriors, and it came with like one battle damage predator. Hmm. Then, cool. I'm sure this wasn't the this wasn't the aliens <laughs> line from the '90s that Kenner did. No, it was not that line. I don't believe. Because I remember they, thinking that the one the one alien who gets caught in the in the mesh net. And he gets the green grid across his head. That was cool. That was pretty sweet. And it, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah as, as far as Prometheus, I'm I'm really hoping that I, actually of all the films this summer, I know that some of them will deliver what I want, and I think some of them won't. But this one to me is the biggest question mark because we know so little about it going in that it's like th- this could be really something, or this could be oh geez, remember that you know? Well, I'm thankful for that because I mean every superhero movie is. You know, there's no surprises I'm ever going to get in a superhero movie just because I'm a comic book fan. But this thing, I, I don't know what the hell's going to happen with this. Yeah. And it's no an idea all, what direction it'll go in. Yeah. And it's it's like an all A-list cast, so I don't know who's living, who's dying. What the I you know, I have no idea what's going to happen. Well, that's such a rarity with sequels that people do sequels that are sort of tangential to the original. You know, I always love that when when they take a like um. I loved the sequel to The Odd Couple because it was just a completely different take on, you know, yeah. on, on the play. It wasn't like a remake of the play or a revisiting of the play, and it wasn't even very deep even. It no. was just a fun revisiting of the characters, and it was kind of realistic in a way, and it was just it was, it was fun. And it's so rare that, you, you know, you, you're going to have something that, it's sort of a known property, but you know it's not gonna be it's not gonna be what you would expect. Yeah. It's just it's not off a template. Uh, well hopefully. <laughs> That's what we're told at this point. But and right. and it's very rare that they get many movies shrouded under a lot of secrecy anymore. It doesn't seem to work out as well with the internet these days, so Yeah. Hats off to that. I think there's been a lot of um people keep it like not wanting to know with this too i know uh this 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 is one movie that i've definitely you know when i started reading the the script i i actually stopped myself which i it's hard to do once i start but i i did and uh that actually brings me to the other movie that that is similar to that and that would be cabin in the woods that's Mm. another one i refuse to like if a review looks like it's going to give too much away of it, I will. I, now, Cabin in the Woods may not quite fit because I think it'll probably. I think it's already playing. So I yeah, think by the time out. this, the, by the time this comes out, it'll be out and playing, and and it's getting insanely good reviews. And I just can't, I can't wait to see it because it's like now I have two horror movies to see this summer. I'm psyched about seeing superhero movies, but. Having well, having horror movies that I'm looking forward to that's a rare treat. Yeah. The uh, th- let me let me say just an interesting little tidbit about uh, Cabin in the Woods. I had tweeted a couple of months ago that I wanted to see the Cabin in the Woods just because I wanted to see the Jungle Fury Cheetah Ranger once again. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Mm. Anna, uh, she is in the Cabin in the Woods. Well, she played. Uh, Lily Chapman, who was the yellow Jungle Fury Ranger on Power Rangers Jungle Fury. 
and uh, who I I, uh, I I thought she was very good in that series, so I thought, what the heck? Well, the official Cabin in the Woods Twitter feed retweeted me because I mentioned <laughs> mentioned the Cabin in the Woods in my tweet. So, so nice. I am part of the marketing machine for the nice. Cabin. Nice. Maybe you'll show up on a poster. Yeah, it's like she was great in Jungle Fury, but uh, <laughs> the the thing that I I think Cabin in the Woods looks interesting. It it reminds me in a very uh, uh, typical. Uh, typically tangential way of uh, Cabin Fever, just because it's a modern film set in a cabin in the woods. Um, which, and I might also add, Cabin Fever also starred a former yellow Power Ranger in the form of Serena Vincent, who played Maya on Power Rangers Lost Galaxy, and also played the naked Ford Exchange student. Uh, the film Not Another Teen Movie. Oh, yeah, her. The naked exchange, naked Ford Exchange student. She was a it, fucking Power Ranger? She was the ye- yellow Lost Galaxy Ranger, yeah. See, I call bullshit only because if you're going to be the yellow Power Ranger, you have to be Asian. Because that was the first one. Yeah, that's that was, the way I roll. It happened the one time. Actually, Actually it should have been. The, the funny thing is that in Power Rangers, she played a, a uh, like a, uh, a Tarzan sort of character. So she was always wearing like, uh, you know, like a loincloth and a rip top and stuff like that. So it's like we already saw tons of her anyway. And now and then she goes in uh, uh, not another teen movie and, and she's, you know, naked the entire movie but now, anyway the uh the cabin i think cabin in the woods i think looks really neat it's one of those um you know, one of those uh what we call the mind fuck types of movies yeah. you know? uh the the one thing that that kind of bugs me a little bit is i did read a um uh, uh, uh an interview with joss whedon and joss whedon is the writer of this film and apparently all other films coming out this year that's apparently what he does uh where he said that part of the cabin in the woods was a reaction to what he called, quote, torture porn. And I despise that terminology uh, with, a, with a, the power of a thousand exploding suns because the, the series that most often gets labeled as torture porn is Saw. And I call bullshit because you can't watch any installment of Saw unless you've seen the other ones and know what's going on. If it was just torture porn, it would just be like, it, w- it would just be a geek show. They're, they're- I don't know, man. I don't know. I defy you to watch Devil and Miss Jones Part Part Four without watching Devil and Miss Jones Part Three and knowing what the fuck's going on. That, that, that's what I'm saying, though. That it's you know the the this um it, it's amazing to me that that the people who who lined up to cream in their pants when when uh, Hollywood was remaking all the all the J horror and K horror movies. Uh, right. For the last decade are the you know which is just ripping off stuff that was made in japan and korea in the 90s they're that they're mad when we've got a wholly american uh movement in horror though it's like so spooks are somehow more realistic than body horror don't give me give me a fucking break you know i mean whedon has to say this stuff he's trying to sell his movie i don't have a problem with that but that attitude annoys me it's like horror is horror guys come on stop fighting each other you got enough battles you got to fight in the public's perception yeah, and ten ten years down the line, well, you, you know, ten years down the line, Saw is still going strong, and and so I've only seen the first couple Saws, but I've noticed the people who've stuck with the Saw movies have been pretty intelligent. You know what I mean? That it's the you know I mean, there's an a pre there's, yeah, I I I don't get the whole. Well, slap you know, my ass and call me a Todd because I watched the first one. I was like, I'm fucking done with this series. <laughs> Well, the thing the thing about Saw is that the first one I think was designed to be a one-off, and right. then 
it's, it proved so popular that they, it, they, they spawned this, you know, really um, uh, complex, all complex story, which, which is like no, no other horror franchise has this going on, has this type of involved story where you really do need to have watched each one to, to get the nuance here. And, you know, that's, that, that's what James Wan and his, and his crew put together for that. And, and I'm glad for it cause I'm a fan. Now what, um, uh, Whedon and, uh, Goddard, um, what's his name? Drew Goddard is the director of the cabin in the woods. I like what they're doing here where it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of times to me, uh, a mindfuck movie is okay. I just, I just wasted the last two hours of my life because you swerved me in the last 30 seconds of the movie, you know, right, right, right. This looks like the type of mindfuck movie where the, um, you know, the audience has a deeper knowledge than the characters. And I like that yes. film where we know what's going on, but they don't. So we're not, we're not wasting our time because they want to swerve us. You know, they're, they're swerving the characters. It's okay to swerve your characters. Don't swerve your audience. You know? <laughs> well, it's, yeah. uh, well what, I'm, what appeals to me is it sounds like it's one of those genre mashups, but it's not um, Scream style. It's not tongue-in-cheek, really. It sounds like it's played straightforward and, and is genuinely when when the when the suspense and the scares come they really come on hard and heavy and it's one of those ones i know it's you could tell a scary movie when the reviewers who you could tell are not averse to horror movies but they're not horror movie fans are describing it and they always say stuff you know about how well this is a you know it's 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 not terribly violent and gory. There's not a lot of blood and gore, but you know it really feels like there is a lot of in it. And it, it, so you can tell that they're trying to figure out why that they were so scared because yeah. there wasn't so there wasn't that much blood. You didn't get to see anybody get gutted, but that's so, not the point, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, horror horror and comedy—they're the only two genres that cannot be defined by any gen, um, generic elements. Yeah, it's just yeah. by it's just I, by I, how much were you scared and how much did you laugh? That's about you all you can judge on. But that's to me that's not really a, a genre. That that's too too base. But yeah, it and it's the same idea. It's like I don't have a, you know, I love a good uh scary movie that isn't, you know, that as Andrew Leyland would say where you got to hide behind the couch every 10 minutes, you know. Uh, I you know I, I like something that that's intellectual. I mean, we, we're watching the damn films of John Carpenter. That's both ends of the spectrum. It's intellectual. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. all, all at the same time. Yes, I, I, I that's what I love. That that's yeah. what I love. And so I mean, yeah, I, the Captain in the Woods. Definitely to me, you know, in my my personal situation, it's hard for me to go to the movies. You know, between uh, having two kids and you know both my my wife work and all that. But that's definitely one that I really w- I'd want to see. I'm definitely going to rent that on on DVD or catch it on on watch instant on Netflix. I mean that looks real. I mean it just looks like it's an intriguing premise. Uh, I got to admit they 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 got my attention on the trailer when it says oh it's the cabin in the woods and it's all the kids in the cabin. I'm like oh I remember this movie Eli Roth made it. It was yep. called Cabin Fever. And I said, oh, and before that, Sam Raimi made it. It was called Evil Dead. But <laughs> <laughs> you want and, there was, a- and there was Wrong Turn and Wrong Turn 2 also. Well, but the difference with Wrong Turn is that, um, well, if, if you've ever been through West Virginia. Yeah, on a bus. 
let's leave it at that. But anyway, but then you know in the trailer they they throw out the bird hitting the force field, and you're like, okay, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it played it, the the preview played me. The preview made the preview made me go like ah, because they show the stoner guy doing you know <laughs> acting like a fool and the the young couple, and I'm just like, oh for Christ's sakes! And then the, you know, and then they directly confront you and say you think you know the story and then you see the eagle hit the force field and then it's just like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tell you, another another movie where, unless you had something else you wanted to add about Cabin in the Woods, guys. No, that's about all I got for that. Yeah. Uh, just to say, another film that, that seems to be sort of taking that route where you you should know what it is but it wants to really kind of twist what that means is actually his Battleship. Uh-huh. Which, you know, to me, you say you're making a movie out of Battleship. That, to me, says, okay, we got two navies fighting, right? Yes. It's going to be, you know, we got a, a, a cap, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a captain on one ship and a captain on the other ship. And, you know, they're ideologically similar and they're, it's strategery back and forth and all that. It's like, okay, I could see that. I could see a, a good naval movie like that. And instead we get what looks like the rejected designs from Transformers. <laughs> battling against a, a small uh, naval fleet. In, yeah, in, a shaggy dog versus aliens story, it looks like. And the only thing I can think of is that the aliens need to invade Earth in some sort of alphanumeric grid. <laughs> They're targeting uh. three. You know, it's like, oh, they missed, you know, but... <laughs> It's it's one of those it's one of those things where I saw it and it caught me by surprise and I thought, all right, this has the potential to be good. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't let know. Let, if it's I'm gonna do I'm it. gonna spoil something for you. Uh oh. They do not say you sunk my battleship. Oh, I was wondering that. So fuck it. I'm not going to see it now. Done. Done. <laughs> Hasbro's not getting any more of my money. You can't. Yeah, you can't make a battleship movie and not have someone say you sunk my battleship. That, although that would be hilarious because a big multi-billion-dollar battleship. It's got Liam Neeson in it. How do you not have him growling <laughs> in his shitty American accent? Accent. Ah, oh, you suck my battleship. Come on. <laughs> the stuff writes itself, you know. <laughs> you think it would? He's floating in the water like Look, a stick I, of wood. <laughs> I, okay, I'm giving it shit. Right? It, it's like okay now. It could be when, fun. It it's could probably be. going to be stupid fun. Like, I love Independence Day, and I don't think that movie is just stupid fun. I think it's a pretty damn good sci-fi B-movie with entertaining actors in it and a lot of fun stuff and in it. And what? And Bill Pullman. Oh, oh come on. He's the greatest <laughs> presidential speech in history is in Independence Day. I know, but I, I, could, I, I didn't want to make fun of Jeff Goldblum. And I was the only guy uh, that could from the you know movie. how I'm always like, uh, trying try, try to save the world? Well, this is my chance. Uh, um, yeah, but uh, this just looks like it's going to be cheesy. And I love cheesy, but I don't know, man. The thing not, that, not your particular brand of cheese, huh? I, I, uh, it's got Liam Neeson. That's so it's like I feel obligated. <laughs> Liam Neeson's got one hell of a geek resume, doesn't he, at this point? <laughs> I mean, between, between Darkman and Krull and Star Wars and now Battleship... Uh, A-Team? That was probably the best thing I've seen him in in friggin' forever. He released the Kraken, too. 
Cry, yeah. yeah. Oh, don't get me started on that piece <laughs> of shit. But, you know, again, we, we used to argue who's got a better geek resume, Liam Neeson or Patrick Stewart. And when the time we were having this argument is like when, like I said, when uh, Liam Neeson had just been in, in Star Wars and then Patrick Stewart was in X-Men. And it's like they're just going back and forth. Totally. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a tough call. That's a death match right there. I mean, you could make arguments either way, you know. To me, Liam Neeson having played Darkman trumps all, as far as I'm concerned. I love that movie, but... Oh, Darkman's great. When are we getting to that one on the vault? That's so oh, good. Oh, we'll have to hit that sometime. Oh, yeah. I guess that would be I guess that would be in the Sam Raimi retrospective. We'll probably have to get Scott for that one, too. I think Scott's a big... Uh, um, I, I, I might have seen that in the theater with Scott, actually. Now that I think of that. Yeah. I say, growing up, the, the one sheet I had on my door, the poster I had on my door, was Robocop oh, for a number yeah. of years. Until I got the Darkman one sheet, and that stayed on my door till I moved out. The so. Darkman one sheet's awesome. Yeah. I decided I love Darkman as a movie that when when he freaks out at the carnival and the, and the whole screen explodes like... Give me the glass. fucking elephant! <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, oh, yeah. freak. Just five bucks, but... Um, What's interesting is that, um, much in the same way that when Pirates of the Caribbean was successful for Disney, uh, they they greenlit um, the Haunted Mansion film, and then I want to say Country Bears also yeah. came out after the um, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Hasbro, you know, with the success of the success of um, if Battleship was successful, they're talking about other board games being adapted into film. Operation. And, well, I could see Operation, you know, Ugh. like kind of an Arthur Haley sort of take on Operation, like the final yeah. diagnosis. But no, the uh, only way an Operation movie would work is if it was a hospital for like crazy cartoon characters. <laughs> Guys, no, with- all the doctors in the world are killed, and there's only these buffoons, and they have to <laughs> use this like machinery that will just open up people and and have little metal guiding wires so that you don't you know cut an artery oh maybe maybe they're removing nanites and they got to do it like you know like fantastic voyage yeah and and some of the nanites are shaped like wishbones and wrenches and okay then just remake fantastic voyage don't call it operation (laughs) (laughs) no you know they're gonna do it it's gonna be like those combination uh what are they pizza hut taco bells yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a combination. They're going to just be like, "All right, we'll just put them both together, and we'll have Operation Fantastic Voyage." Well, but as awesome as that is, the one that the one that I actually think would be pretty neat. Talk about doing a Monopoly movie, and my first response to that was, "Didn't they do that? It wasn't it called Boardwalk Empire?" <laughs> I mean, that's basically Monopoly, isn't it? <laughs> I want to see the guy they get to play Mr. Monopoly. <laughs> Rich oh, Uncle Moneybags. Yeah, who's going to play him? You know, they, Liam Neeson. He's gonna, I guess he's going to be contracted for all no, these Hasbro no, no, board no, games. No, 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 that's when you get Patrick Stewart to play Rich Uncle Moneybags. Ah. No, you got to be a little short, fat guy with, with a I'll do it. I'll do suit it. In the hat, in the top hat, you know, and the jowls, and the mustache, the moustache. See, I always lose a Monopoly because my wife's like, you know, she's like a vicious Monopoly player. She always uh-huh. But I, I always pride myself on being able to own the, the electric company so that, you know, I will control whether the uh, the people living in the ghetto of Oriental and Mediterranean avenues will have light or not on any given night. I've awarded <laughs> over. But, <laughs> and, and just like just like uh, we found out in um, youth, the song Youth Gone Wild, you know, uh, Park Avenue leads to Skid Row. Skid Row! <laughs> <laughs> 
yelling out there. I knew you were where you were going. <laughs> oh my god! Is there any non-Hasbro related films coming out? We're no, let's, let me pick. Uh, I'll, go, I'll pick one you at got, random. You got, a cut, like, got another Hasbro, but we'll get a different one. I'll one of the back. ones I added to our list was uh, the Nazis in space, Iron Sky, Nazis on a plane. Nazis. I was I was thinking I was having high hopes for this one because I liked the idea that it was like I don't know if they used jumpstart.com but it was the people raised the money on the internet and you know got the movie made without a without backing of a studio and just went for a ridiculous concept of like Sarah Palin versus space Nazis come on how can that be you know be bad no matter what you think about Sarah Palin you know, even if you hate her, I would still love to see a movie with her as the, you know, the hero in a Earth versus not space Nazis movie. It's just surreal. So, <laughs> but then they did what usually they do when they're really confident with a movie, and they do the like we'll release the first five minutes to YouTube, and it was pretty. Te- it looked pretty terrible. <laughs> the first five minutes were pretty underwhelming. I, maybe. I had. I haven't watched that five minutes yet. Was it? Could it have been terrible on purpose, though? If it was, they were trying too hard to be terrible on purpose. Uh. It wasn't in the right way. You know what I mean? It, it might just be that they haven't got the sound mix completely right, so it's a little stilted. But it was, it was just okay. You know, it didn't. If you're gonna show the first movie, five minutes of a movie like that, you gotta sort of leave them wanting more. You know, you gotta sort of leave them with something big and they leave you with like a reveal but it's nothing that you you know i think by the that by the time you're watching it you already know that the premise of the movie is there's nazis on the moon so you don't you know you're just finding out oh look there's nazis on the moon (laughs) yeah you, you have to see something or i thought the john carter warlord of mars one was brilliant because it ended with him looking up at something and you could see on his face that he was going holy shit and then it ended, and I was just like, oh, I wonder what the fuck, you know, it really made me wonder what he was seeing. So, yeah. But, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not holding my breath for Iron Sky. We'll see. I don't even think there's any release date for it. No, that's probably why it didn't end up in this list, because I got one that had release date, so it probably, and Cabin in the Woods was probably already too early on this release date. That and if, I mean, if it says, you know, I mean, this it's been... It, at this point, it's been released uh, several places in, in Europe. You know, it's about in, in Germany and, and things of that nature. I mean, if, if this really is kind of a dog, you know, that Lionsgate will just dump it whenever they can and then just make all their money selling it on DVD kind of thing. Yeah. Right, right. Iron Sky, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wonder what opening night in Germany was like. <laughs> oh, we are going to see the movie. Whoa. <laughs> No, but I always picture that stuff as being uncomfortable. It's like, do you laugh if you're really, th- if it's funny? I, mean, I think Nazis have become a joke now, haven't they? Well, the go-to I, bad guy for everything. Well, I mean, it, it is and it isn't. You know, there's, um, um, you know, there, there there are laws in in Germany about uh, portray um, displaying Nazi regalia or um, you know Nazi hand gestures and things of that nature when used for political purpose. Now, for entertainment. It, it's all right. The, the right. it comes to mind where um, uh, the wrestler uh, John Bradshaw Layfield, also the uh, financial analyst and investing guru John Bradshaw Layfield, but which is a whole other can of worms. 
uh, he was doing a show in, in Munich, and uh, and uh, top the TV, and uh, he he started goose stepping around the ring, you know, throwing the salute up, and the whole place, <laughs> the place went bananas trying, and you know, but he was working as a heel. He was supposed to get over and get heat that way. Right, and he, right, and he and, sure did. <laughs> sure did, and and you know, and um, so. So for entertainment, it's always kind of weird. It's like I guess in in this in this case, it's satirical, you know, right. like, not, I, not a glorifying way. So I picture Nazi stuff, sort of having the same stank on it in Germany, that like say slavery does have here, has in America or something like that, you know, or you know the 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 worst parts of of racial violence and the and in slavery in in America. And so, like, if you had a comedy musical version of Amistad or something like that, you know, there might be a bit of, you know, uncomfortable, <laughs> uncomfortable moments in the or or in maybe the like uh, like Flintstones list from Clark's the Animated Series. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you want to watch a video? Good idea. What do you got? Spielberg's latest opus, it combines his nose for commercial properties with his integrity as a chronicler of the Holocaust. Flintstones list, Liam Neeson is Fred. We're not watching that. Hey, remember the time we watched that? Take them away! Amistad was much funnier. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, suffering is funny. All right, well, Amistad totally leads into the next movie that I wanted to uh, bring up, which is Piranha 3 Double D. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of big... Uh, uh, At least I didn't say Snow White and the Huntsman Nation. And the, yeah, Snow White and the Huntsman. <laughs> but, yeah, uh-huh. no, per, yeah, Piranha... I'm, I'm, it has... It has potential. I was going to say, Piranha 3D delivered everything it promised, and then some. Yeah. Oh, and then some. Oh, my God. If you you want a good laugh, go to, I said, go to IMDb. I think I might have said this on on, on a different show before. Go to IMDb and read the parental advisory page for (laughs) Piranha. Uh, where it lists everything? Where it's trying to objectively, and then we see. Quantify it, yeah. We see six pairs of naked breasts for four seconds, and we see three. You know? Then we yeah. see. Then we see three and a half pairs of breasts. <laughs> and then but, we see my secret identity get his penis bitten off. But yeah. it looks oh, like dude. it looks like they learned the lesson of Piranha 3D, and then turned it over real quick and turned it up prior now, till the to only 20. thing. The only thing I want to say that, that I really hope to see in this movie, but I'm, I'm guarantee you is not going to happen, is that uh, the original Piranha had a sequel, which was Piranha 2: The Spawning. The spawning. Uh-huh. And and now let me tell you, James Cameron, and you would have had to have been a goddamn psychic to see any discernible talent out of James Cameron after watching this movie. But it was a Corman movie. He had ten minutes to film it, cast well, it, edit yeah. it. And... Well, acor- according to according to Cameron, he didn't even have that. That he came, that that it was it was being made in Italy, and he came, was brought in like two thirds of the way through, 
to just and, film stuff, and then it was out of his hands, probably. Yeah, to, to yeah. film stuff because the other director left, and he said he didn't speak any Italian, so he had no idea how to communicate with his crew. But anyway, if you've seen Piranha 2, The Spawning, you know that the Piranha crossbreed with flying fish and start flying around <laughs> biting people. Now, yeah. I see where you're going here. <laughs> the, 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 the prehistoric piranha mixing with some kind of prehistoric flying fish, that just... Just take my money. That's all I'm going to say about that. Well, it looks like the premise of this one is they can get into the water system. They've gotten confused. They've gotten into the water system, and they they get into a water park. Yeah. So you know we're going to see a water slide of blood. You know what? God knows what's going to come out of the end of that water slide, but (laughs) there's going to be a water slide. I'll bet you you see someone go down into a water slide hole and come out a skeleton after, after, like a, you know, it just shoots out thousands of these things. Yeah, and, and you uh, know what else a, a water park means? Little kids. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Can't like wait. Little kids getting eaten. Oh, a whipple of some kind. You know, that's all you I got. Don't see it enough. Yeah, you just don't see that enough. So, I'm. I, and and I love this cast because. You got you got Danielle Panabaker of the Panabaker Girls is the top top build, and then once you get about four people in, you get Gary, Gary Busey, <laughs> David Hasselhoff, Ving Rhames is coming back. Give Paul me my Christ. get me my legs, he says. <laughs> I uh, mean, Clue Gulliger, come on, Clue Gulliger, yeah, and it looks like Christopher Lloyd's back. Yeah, Lloyd is back. Yep. And it looks like, you know, they're going to do the same thing with Christopher Lloyd. It's just walk him into a set for a day and have him, like, walk around and do exposition. Yeah. It was awesome. It was awesome. I was just like, oh, my God, Christopher Lloyd's never going to leave this set. It's awesome. <laughs> they had him for one day. That's all they could afford. I, I also love that apparently this film was originally going to be filmed in January and February in Baton Rouge because they wanted to release it last summer. Uh, but... This became impractical, quote, because of cold weather and the requirement for cast and crew to be wearing little or no clothing. Excellent. (laughs) Well, the title alone says that they recognize that boobs were a welcome. um, And so does the one sheet. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome back to horror movies, horror and gore boobs. Yeah. It's been too long. Welcome back. It took a Frenchman to bring you back. I don't care. Yeah. That almost redeems the French. <laughs> oh, come on. They gave us croissants. Yeah, but it took Burger King to perfect them. Let's face it. <laughs> well, you do have a point, though. <laughs> All right. Did, did you guys... Have you guys seen anything about Snow White and the Huntsman? That's one I have zero... Yeah, uh, it's got Thor in it. <laughs> so got, I'll probably see it. It's got Thor and the girl from Twilight and... Uh, that's... Yeah. And, and the girl from the remake of Mighty Joe Young. So, well, as soon as the, the girl from Twilight, as soon as I see her, it's just like, oh, well, there's just something vacuous going on. I'm not. It, really... You know what's funny though? She wasn't vacuous until the Twilight movie because I remember seeing her in Zathura, yes, which was one of Favreau's movies, and she was adorable as hell in that and charming in it. And now she's just got the I don't give a fuck look on her face all the time. Part of me wonders how much of that is is the character that she's playing too. I mean, I've I've never read Twilight, but from what I understand, you know, 
her character kind of a kind of a, a cipher character you know she's kind of there to reflect upon what happens to her and and what other what boys think about her essentially right well i think that i i think probably she's getting type because it seems like that's how they're maybe that's how they're selling the movie for the twilight fans you know, but they are selling her as you know having the sunken eye, sunken eye, just sort of like <sighs> teenage rolling your eyes sort of thing. You know, raccoon yeah. um, eye makeup <laughs> sort of thing. You know that that bored and just sort of like. Ugh. I mean, God, I, I things- hate all these dwarfs. Oh my god, so ugly. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, but like I said, it's That's got the guy who plays Thor in it as the Huntsman, so I might have to see and, and, it. And uh, I've seen a lot of stuff with Charlize Theron hyping playing the evil queen, and she really seems to be relishing it. She's a good I, actress, too. I, so. I, I love I just, her. Yeah, and uh, but like, for instance, they were on, um, they were promoting this film on Top Chef a couple of months ago, and they had, and they basically had to serve a meal fit for the evil queen, and she was talking about, you know, just all the horrific stuff that she gets to do in the film and it's like is it really trying to put a harder edge on this you know th- this is the snow white movie that's that's the hard one you know as opposed to the one with uh julia roberts which was the funny one i suppose uh you know i put funny in air quotes on that I, but i wouldn't mind seeing something like say the approach of like ridley scott's legend or something like that it, it has like the feel that it might be sort of like that I I, don't know. I I think it looks pretty neat. I mean, I'm I'm not a huge Snow White fan as far as fairy tales go. Even excuse me, the Disney film I, I like it, but I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of, of Snow White. So that's White. my favorite traditional Disney film. Well, you see, I'm I'm from the same school of thought because mine is Sleeping Beauty. You know, I, I like sleep. I mean, Snow White is is historically is amazing, but Sleeping Beauty took all of that and improved upon pretty much every aspect of it, just because they had 20 more years of technology you know behind yeah. but um i don't know I, I think it looks pretty neat i mean the uh, fairy tales are real popular right now you know fables and all of its spin-off series are still very popular uh, abc has a, a very successful show in once upon a time which is essentially lost meets fables uh and we've got both you know two different snow white films coming out this year so there's, there's a lot of attention being paid to the the the, the oh, maybe fairy- a lot there's work for at least 14 more dwarves too yeah, and and never mind. Never mind. We got two Snow White movies coming out. Those each have seven dwarves. Then we got the Hobbit coming out at Christmas time. There's nine dwarves in that. Yeah, yeah but they're all but regular size people. Yeah, he, that's all forced perspective. I'm and... just saying. I'm just saying that it's <laughs> for, for the dwarven kingdoms under the mountains. They and must the, be very happy. Look, and look. Then you got in, Game of Thrones too. It's like <laughs> the day of the dwarf. As a man who's only five foot three in stature, I want to see as many dwarves on screen as I'm possible. Not a, I'm not a tall guy myself, but, uh, but I ain't not, that short. Yeah, well, I'm 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 six foot. But uh, <laughs> how's the weather up there? It's uh, well, you know what they say about the weather in South Carolina. If you don't like it, why don't you go back to wherever the hell it is you came from? Uh, hmm. <laughs> no, ah, it, the friendly <laughs> South. <laughs> In, uh, no, it's not White and the Huntsman again. That that's another one to me that's a, uh, looks like a solid rental. You know, not something I'm gonna I'm gonna. Oh my God, you guys, we gotta go yeah. see it. Uh, I'll hit me up on Twitter. Or we'll go see it. Uh, you know, <laughs> but definitely one that I, I think looks neat. I think it's a um, you know, if, especially if you know uh, some of the more uh, raunchier versions of a lot of these fairy tales. I think it it sits uh, seems like a good a, a worth watching. I think Chris Hemsworth as the Huntsman. <laughs> 
that sounds good to me. You know, the evil queen, you know, via Elizabeth Bathory, I can get on board with that. Hmm. Yes. She, she mean, she, Charlie's Theron very strongly implied that there's a Elizabeth Bathory-esque scene in the film, and I'm the like... Little, little blood bathing? Yeah, and it's like, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, that's, that goes back into, like, people haven't been doing that since, like, Hammer movies. That was a... That's the last time Elizabeth Bathory type scene I saw was scene I saw was <laughs> was in Hostel Part Two. There's an oh Elizabeth. well, <laughs> I haven't seen that yet, but I can imagine. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Now you want to talk about a film that earns the title of torture porn? Hostel and Hostel Two and Hostel Three are kind of it. There. There's a I Hostel mean, Three. I didn't even know that. Hostel Three is god awful. God awful. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but not my, not my cup of tea. You know, another another reimagining of a traditional hero, uh, traditional uh, heroic legend and myth comes out on June twenty second, and that's Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Yes. <laughs> and if you don't, if you hear that title and you don't at least say, "Man, I gotta see this," there's something wrong with you. Well, here's the thing: I I saw years ago a movie came out called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, which is a great movie. And I've yet to see it. I there were parts of it that I really liked. There were part, but I but to me overall, it didn't live up to the title. No, but that movie was also shot for about ten bucks. Ten, ten, ten bucks, and Jesus ended up looking like the Fonz. He was only in full Jesus like beard and regalia for the first ten minutes, and then he shaves yeah. and cuts his hair, and he looks like the Fonz. <laughs> and which it was a, a good gag, but you know, I wanted to see Jesus. This is this is some big budget shit. This is, and I saw it and I was like, I don't know. I've been burned once. It might be one of those title movies, but then they got the director from Wanted and the Day, um, Day Watch and Night Watch movies, and yeah. he's really good. I liked all three of those movies a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm down for this. It, 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 and and from the previews, I just watched the second preview today. It looks very. It's got that Matrix. He's a very Matrix style yes. filmmaker, but it doesn't. He puts a lot more personality into it, almost like a Terry Gilliam sort of feel to it, I think. But just the the scene of Abraham Lincoln's time looks authentic. It looks not like it's just sort of a cheesy recreation. It looks like it has sets the. Not maybe a realistic tone, but the tone of olden times. You know, it's it's gonna yeah, have that's... maybe a mythical but realistic feel to it, and I think that's gonna be really neat. It's funny. I went to see the Hunger Games with a bunch of my buddies, and they showed the trailer for for this. And uh, <laughs> one of my roommate was he's all excited about the the legit Abraham Lincoln movie. He yeah, is that Spielberg? He's doing sitting there that? watching. He's going. Yeah, and he's sitting there going, he's like, what? What? What the <laughs> fuck is this? History, so, my friend, history. That's what you turn and say, dude, you didn't know that? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> what, you, would you miss that day? What? There's a lot of things. That, yeah, you must have been sick that day. That was the best day of school at all, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Day. Uh, the, the, the one thing I do want to say real quick about Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter is my, my absolute favorite scene in that is when he's in the park and the two the jeep full of atheists pull up and jump out and, and they have the kung fu fight and he fights like six atheists with and like then, nunchucks and stuff yeah and then like six then after he beats that six like six more jump out of the same jeep 
and and run at him, and he has this look like, oh, come on. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you know, th- this is one of those ones that you hear the title, and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ! But then you see the trailer, and you're like, hey, this could be this could be pretty neat. This could be a lot of fun. And then, like you said, it's the it's the dude who did Night Watch, and it's like the dude who did Night Watch doing Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I'll watch that. He's got some personality to him. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll know that this this to me is what I call a party movie. This is where you get a case of beer, or as we as we used to say, a case of your favorite beverage, and you get all the friends get all your friends together with the big screen, and you just put it on, and and it looks like you just have a blast watching it, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And and I I love movies like that. I love movies like that where you get a bunch of folks and you just go and and it, and it's like it's to me it's almost like going to a like going to a concert, you know? Right. It, it's a shared a shared user experience of something that's just fun and high energy, and, and that's what that movie looks like to me. Everybody knows what they want. Everybody there knows what they want from it and what to expect, and they're ready to to receive it and enjoy it. Yeah, those that's the best. That's uh, the ideal filmmaking film going experience in a lot of ways at least for that kind of movie at least for a fun movie yeah. you know I'll, I'll tell you what really sold me on this though is in the trailer when they you know they because they show him having you know an ability to swing an axe seeing as you know he log cabin and all that <laughs> and they show him just taking the molten silver and pouring it all over the head of his axe and like yeah we know where that's going yeah i i, I need to see this <laughs> This this may be a film that could use the America fuck yeah song in it. America, fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now we do have another movie on our list that deals with vampires, one one vampire in particular, and that would be Dark Shadows. Oh right. And I tell you what, I I was introduced to Dark Shadows when it was used to play in reruns on the Sci Fi Channel when Sci Fi first launched. Jonathan Three Free just died too. Yes, yeah. Not too- Oh yeah, um, and I do not know what to make of this. Mm-hmm. I'm, like I said, I'm not super familiar with the source material. I'm pretty sure that he wasn't buried under a McDonald's in the original. No, no, it's it's. <laughs> so I don't know what to make of this. All I can think of is that it's a Tim Burton movie that stars Johnny Depp, and at this point in his career, Johnny Depp has become like Christopher Walken in that he no longer plays roles; he simply plays Johnny Depp. Well, especially and, if you put him in a Tim Burton movie. Right, exactly. Now he's Johnny Depp as, you know, Barnabas. So it's, okay, so he's just playing Johnny Depp as a vampire from the 70s. It, it, I don't know what to make of this, so. It looks like a, it, if if it wasn't Robbins, I would be, you know, maybe just writing it right off. But at the same time, I could write it off because of that, too. You know, because he's had a lot of duds lately. I don't know. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe it'll have a, a Beetlejuice vibe to it. But it, it, it looks like it's a lot of 70s fish out of water jokes. It looks like it almost was a movie that should have been made, you know, when they were remaking, when they were making the Brady Bunch movies, you know, around that time period. What was that, like late late 90s? Yeah. Late 90s. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it either. I I, I never thought there was. A, it, I I was thinking if there's a big fan base for Dark Shadows, they're probably pretty old right now, and they're just like, <laughs> a, and it was probably mostly women because it was a daytime soap oh. opera. And and I would imagine that if there is, and I don't know if there is or not, a a large 
fan base for the old Dark Shadows that they would probably be pretty annoyed that their property is being turned into a comedy. Right, right. Dark Shadows kind of me- it was melodrama, but it certainly wasn't a comedy. It was low, low. It was sub, you know. It was bats on strings. Yeah. But it and, and it was a campy by by budget, but not I don't think by choice as yeah. much. I mean, from what I understood of it, it was just basically like a gothic soap opera, and the right. character was a vampire. You know, it wasn't certainly wasn't funny. It was more old dark housey, sort of just yeah. um, moody than anything. But you know, I mean, maybe that's why they're totally remaking it in. Uh, I, you know what? I called him Tim Robbins, didn't I? Yes. It's Tim Burton. Yes. Sorry. Tim Robbins is an actor. I realize that now. I mean, the only thing that, that really is kind of intriguing to me, and I know it can't be a big role, is that Alice Cooper is playing himself in this film. Oh. And uh, and I am going to see in Alice. In the 70s? <laughs> yeah, apparently. I mean, he still looks pretty close, you know. Yeah, yeah. Spin, fun, you know, and... and I don't know, pinches his face back or something. I, I am going to see Alice Cooper along with Iron Maiden. At As a- am I. Oh, you going to the show in Boston? Yep. I'm going to the show in Charlotte. Nice. Rock, rock on. <laughs> you guys can compare set lists. Set lists, I- yep. And, it's gonna see, and Boston show is in the first half of the tour, so you get to see Cooper also. Yes. Because Cooper's only only supporting him on the first half of the tour. I don't I don't know who's doing the second half, but it's like... Coheed and Cambria. Oh, okay. Sweet. I like Cambridge. But as soon as I saw it, it's like, oh my god, the Coop and Maiden? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to this. And it's the same weekend as Heroes Con in Charlotte. Heroes Con being the, um, uh, you know, the the oldest uh, con in, of Comic-Con in the South. Well, I could see Alice Cooper. Is Alice Cooper going to be at that? I could actually see him doing something like that. I mean, I'd love to meet him. So I'd, I've, uh, you know, I'd, I'd bring my, drive, my driver, let him sign that, you know? He'd... <laughs> Yeah, then you get an something instant autograph. Or something, you know. <laughs> I'd be like bringing my kitchen knife or something like, you know, just something, something kind of creepy. I would try to creep him out a little bit. It probably wouldn't be that hard. I think I don't think anything can creep out the coop at this. Oh point. well, it depends on whether he's in character or not. Because he's one of those guys who's very candid about like I'm not like Alice Cooper at all. But when I put the makeup on, ah, you know. I think after all the drugs he did in the seventies, I don't think you're going to be able to scare him. <laughs> That's true. But, and and you know what's funny is that if he was there, you know he'd have to duck out at some point because. Uh, uh, Coop has said in num- numerous times that when cause his problem was always he was an alcoholic and he you know still is, uh, but he's a recovering alcoholic and he said so what he traded his alcohol addiction for was golf, uh, yep. not at least nine holes a day and he's a scratch golfer. That's <laughs> unbelievable. The greatest great, uh, one one last thing and, and we'll move on. My my favorite Alice Cooper story of all time. He did, was doing an interview. I think it was with Empire or one of, one of those type of music mags, you know. And uh, they said they asked him, "Go, what was what is your the, your the accomplishment you're most proud of professionally?" And and he said, "Well, I have two answers for that." I said, the, "He said the first was getting my star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame because that to me meant that I had contributed a lot to the world of music and that." People recognized what that that my contributions had meant something, and I was in, you know, with, with all these other amazing performers. I was part of that group now. And he said the the second was when uh, at one time Tiger Woods was asked if he had to play in a pro am, which amateur he'd want to play with. Tiger Woods said Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> 
That nice. would be that would be hilarious. I mean, seriously, if I I mean, you know, if I'm a pro, I'll take the guy who's a scratch golfer. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as far as Dark Shadows, I. Like I said, like you, made, you made a good point. I didn't think of maybe it'll be kind of like Beetlejuice and be, be kind of a you know a, a broad yeah. top. But music by Danny Elfman, directed by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp. Eh, and and Helena Bonham Carter is gonna get his wife in there. You know, I think we know what we're gonna get. So. Yeah, and it's all in like blacks and grays and blues and yeah, and everybody's got pale skin. Yeah. <sighs> oh, the Twilight audience will probably eat it up. The Twilight Oins wouldn't, wouldn't know what it was. It's like Dark Shadows. It's like a rip off of Twilight. Yeah, like, what's this oh. shit? Uh, again, weeping for the youth. <laughs> the thing that was funny is, you know, the CW, they made a show of the series of novels, The Vampire Diaries. Yeah. Vampire Diaries predates Twilight by a good long while. And everyone's Vampire Diaries. This is a Twilight ripoff. It's like, uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> Which, you know. There, there was a Penny Arcade about that where uh, Anne Rice showed up to complain at Stephanie Meyer and that <laughs> she was ripping her off. And then in the third panel, it was Bram Stoker um, and the Count, uh, Count Von Count from Sesame Street and a bunch, and Bella Lugosi and Christopher Lee were like, uh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me, ma'am. <Wow. laughs> now that would be a big screen vampire. I'd love to see a feature like Count Von Count movie. I love the count. I always Ooh. have. Ha, 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 ha. I just feel bad for him because his girlfriend counts backwards. It'll never work. <laughs> I was just always, it always warmed my heart how much he loved those little bats, man. Yeah. He really loved his bats. One, his, two, three. My children. Ah. And, the, and the bats were the happiest bats you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> What's wrong, my bitch? Why are you angry? Because we want our rights. We're going on strike. On strike? Oh, but what is wrong? Because we never have any fun. We never get to count. It's our turn 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 to count. I have an idea. It's our turn to count. Okay, my darlings. You will get to count. You will get to count all the counts in the room. And then I, the count, will count all the bats. <laughs> you first, my pets. Wait a minute. What do you mean, count all the counts? There's only one of you here. Precisely so. One wonderful count. Okay, now it is my turn to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven batty bats. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, fool them again. You want to know something even crazier? Um, I'm not sure if, if your guys' public television does this, but here, uh, South Carolina ETV, around um, each of the major Jewish holidays, they will play uh, the Shalom Sesame episode dealing with that particular holiday. Passover just happened uh, actually the Saturday before Easter, and so I saw the, the Shalom Sesame for Passover. And on Shalom Sesame, much like on Sesame Street, 
you know, the count will count the number of the day, but now he's counting in, in Hebrew. In, in, oh, wow. He's, and he's, so he's counting all the Hebrew numbers. I'm like, that is just, I don't know, that's just so cool to me. I love yeah. that. <laughs> ah, greetings. <laughs> Welcome to my castle. I am the count, and guess what time it is? Yes, it's time for the number of the day. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, what could the number of the day be? Well, let's find out, shall we? Are you ready? Here we go. Oh, I wonder what it is. The suspense is killing me. Maybe it's the next one. Tesha. Not yet. Essen! Essen! I would be really pleased to see a Sesame Street all in Yiddish. I love lit Yiddish. I love Yiddish words. I think they're like just the most amazing. It's funny because two of the, they're like opposing, uh, not really opposing languages, but German, you know, German has a lot of great words in it you know that that the german word works better you know schadenfreude has been adopted by the world because it's perfect you know and and yiddish has a lot of words like that too that are, that are just one word that sort of are a combination of three or four ideas that work perfect and sort of phonetically sound right too yep like schmear schmear schmaltz well no, putz yeah. is the best Putz took us. Put, you know. Putz is one. Yeah, Putz was one, and and was a favorite in high school because, well, we liked the Yiddish in high school because my friend Mike would learn Yiddish words, Putz especially, and we knew we could. We were, we knew we were swearing at people and yeah. our teachers, <laughs> and but they always sound like cute. You know, they always sound like cute words, and so teachers would never yell at you. They'd be just like, oh, it's like calling somebody a goofball, <laughs> but not. All right, let's pick one that I think you guys are all pumped for, and that's G.I. Joe Retaliation. Yeah. Yo, Joe. I haven't seen the first G.I. Joe yet because I heard it was terrible, but I may check it out so I can watch this one. Here's the the thing. Grab a case of your favorite beverage and watch it. The thing is, and and I don't know know if you ever got into this conversation, uh, Chris, but Scott and I talked about on the boards... um, the transition between Star Wars and G.I. Joe. And and we were talking about it in the context of Marvel Comics and that Marvel's top licensed book for a long time was uh, Star Wars, as you guys talk about on Star Wars mm-hmm. Monthly Monday. Well, when Star Wars ended, you know, the book that came very soon after that was G.I. Joe. And G.I. Joe ran for, you know, uh, like 13 years it was a. It was never a great seller, but it was always a good seller that sold solid numbers, and they could always keep putting it out. And and so I said, well, I said this follows suit on toys too. I said, I said you and Chris, you're you know, uh, you know, like like a half generation older than guys. I said guys like Hero and myself. And so you know, we you guys were you guys were getting out of 
playing with toys right when guys when hero and i were getting into it so stuff like gi joe and the transformers that's right in our wheelhouse right it's right stuff we remember now the first gi joe film is really it's informed in a lot of ways by the by the cartoon yeah. it's just mm-hmm. broad action you know just grandiose plans you know big special effects uh big action sequences super technology the, the uh, retaliation really seems to be based not just not only on the Marvel comic, but also on some of the things that Devils do uh, did when they had the license. And now that IDW has the license, Chuck Dixon is writing a super serious G.I. Joe. In fact, there's three books. There's G.I. Joe, uh, Cobra, and Snake Eyes all have their own titles. And it's this very complex, interwoven, modern military uh, sort of story. And that's what it looks like they're kind of going with with uh, with Retaliation. From what I understand, this film is, um, you know, first rule of reboot, don't talk about the reboot. In Bullshit, that, they, they have to. No, 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 no. But here, here, hear me out here. Is that it's going, it is a sequel. You know, Channing Tatum is back as Duke. Um, excuse me, Ray Park is back as Snake Eyes. And I'm, I am blanking on the name of the dude who played Storm Shadow. And he was awesome. Um, yeah. And the end of the first film is still valid based on what we know from the trailer and such, but things are going in a completely different direction. So yeah, yeah. so I, I think it's one of those situations where the first film happened, it's valid, but now we're gonna we're gonna go in a different way. We're gonna not continue on that path. We're gonna exit off. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and I tell you what, um, the I'm I'm a big G.I. Joe fan. The the number one G.I. Joe community on the internet is a site called hisstank.com. And the build-up to retaliation was just filled with all this speculation because the G.I. Joe fan base is literally schismed between those who hated Rise of Cobra and those who loved Rise of Cobra. I fell into the latter. I loved Rise of Cobra, so I was super pumped for retaliation. And then when the trailer came out, you know, the trailer starts out, you know, we knew The Rock was in it. We knew he was playing Roadblock. We knew the cast, generally, and we knew that it was going to focus on a different team of Joes than in the first film. But then the, the trailer comes out and, you know, the Joes get mowed down and arrested. And then you see the Cobras dropping the Cobra flags off the White House. I was like, oh, my damn. Yeah. We were nobody was expecting that. And it's like, OK, you have both sides of the fence said you have our attention now. You know what I'm saying? It was it, it was like I said, if, if, if you have any interest at all in the the brand of G.I. Joe and seeing Cobra taking over the White House doesn't get you excited to see the film, nothing will, you know? That was, um, yeah. That gave me a boner. <laughs> very, very excited by that. Plus, it's got Flint and, and, and we're also getting Firefly. So I'm like, yeah. yes, two of my favorite characters. Yeah, and, uh, and Cobra Commander wearing his helmet. Oh, yeah. Finally. Like, you know, I mean, I, I, I liked him. I, I liked his look from the first movie. I thought it was a real change of pace, but that's just iconic. I yeah. see. I liked. I, I do like the first movie a lot. I had a lot of fun with it because um, it reminded me of the cartoon. But I hated his final look yeah. in that. But that's just me, right? I understand. But I mean, Zartan is back. Uh, we're yep. getting Inks and the Blind Master in this. Yep. We're getting- Ninjas, 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 apparently. It looks like there's a lot of ninjas involved, yeah. 
thing See, is that's one of the GI Joe is one of the greatest properties ever. If you want to have awesome ninja stories, right, mm -hmm. right. Oh, so many ninjas in the comics. Hama, you know Larry Hama, and in, in his time of writing GI Joe, developed this whole backstory and mythos involving all these ninja clans and their history together, and how the Arashikage clan dealt with the Red Ninjas, and, and how you know Storm Shadow and and Firefly becoming the silent, the faceless master, and all this other stuff. And what's amazing is that it's still going on to this day. Larry Hama still writes a G.I. Joe comic for IDW called G.I. Joe, a Real American Hero. That continues the Marvel continuity. And we've got a crew of cyborg ninjas now called the Blue Ninjas. And we've got, <laughs> of course. got an offshoot of the Arashikage that, that came up in Russia. So it's this whole crew of Russian Arashikage masters. And it's like there's so many ninjas going on here. And, but then on the other side, we've got the rock playing roadblock. Yeah. We've got the rock playing roadblock. How awesome is that? I don't think he's going to rhyme, though, unfortunately. You know what? I think they'll throw one of them in there. Cobra's uh, through. What do we do? Oh, man. <laughs> Maybe they'll have him in a rap competition in the beginning when they introduce his character or something. Oh, the, there, there were two quirks about Roadblock as a character. One was that he talked in rhyme like that. And he was a cook. He was the cook. His, his, uh, on, the, on his file card and in the cartoon and, the, and in the comic, you know, his primary military specialty was heavy machine gunner, but his second was cook. And so he was a classically trained chef. <laughs> so it's like when you got a guy whose wrestling catchphrase was, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Mm -hmm. Playing roadblock. This is setting up some really good material. <laughs> yeah. the, and the, I will say the one thing that, that you will need from Rise of Cobra is, even if you don't see it, uh, just, you know, get spoiled on it because the, the ending, the cliffhanger from that oh. is gold of this plot and that cliffhanger is awesome it, it's one of the greatest cliffhangers ever in my opinion i mean i remember i saw that i saw it in the theater now i'm I, intrigued well I, I i saw it in the theater in a packed house with one of my buddies and the whole place was like oh my damn <laughs> because the thing is it doesn't even come out of left field because they set it up earlier and then a bunch of stuff happens and we kind of forget about it and then it's like oh wait a minute yes <laughs> So yeah, I am um, uh, I am I am beyond jazzed as as you might have guessed from the fact that I've been running at the mouth for like five straight minutes about this film. I am. I knew both. I knew the two of you were looking forward to this one. Yeah, and I got I've, I've got buddies that didn't see the first one that saw the the Super Bowl preview. They're like, oh yeah, gotta see that. They're like I think that that image of the Cobra flag getting planted at the top of the White House sold a lot of tickets. Yeah. And 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 you know it it, it to me it it's I, I remember when the when the first Transformers movie came out, uh, my father asked me he goes you, you like Transformers what what is that about I had to think about it for a minute it's like how do I explain this brand to someone who doesn't know the first thing about it and so I thought about it for a second I said okay it's about it's about two warring factions of a race of warlike robots whose battle spills from their planet to Earth yes. And he's like, okay. And if you look at the first Transformers film, that's the story. You know, there, there's yep. more details and stuff, but that's basically it. You know, G.I. Joe at its core, what is it about? They're, they're America's elite special forces unit charged with defending the world from Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined, determined to, rule. to rule the world. Yes. So that's exactly what we get here. By any means necessary, will Cobra do ach do achieve their goal? So yeah. I'm, this, this, this looks like it's going to be just... Uh, 
I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of big name movies coming out. This is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Wow. I, I can say that without, you know, because uh, th- this is the only one I don't have any reservations about. <laughs> yeah, it's G.I. Joe. I think we know what we're going to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, I mean we knew we were gonna get with the first one. It's like I knew what I was paying my eight bucks for, and I loved every minute of it. So, well, well yeah, it was like in the first one. I'm like, okay, you know, okay, yeah, they're wearing fatigues. It's military, and then you see that first Mars, you know, spaceship come down, yeah. and it's shooting like concussive blasts instead of bullets. I'm like, yep, yeah, we are firmly in the cartoon right here, <laughs> and I couldn't have been happier. Yep. Okay, what do you guys think of um, Amazing Spider-Man? All right. Um, I'm a huge Spider-Man, Mark, and I uh-huh. have been since a kid. My my uncle still calls me Spidey. He's been calling <laughs> me that for 30-something years. Um, That's a super uh, story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. Oh, Spidey suit. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. I got it now. Like, okay. I'm a little slow. <laughs> um, but uh, I, here's the thing. I there's a lot in the Raimi trilogy that I absolutely adore and there's a ton that they got right uh, there's also some stuff that they got very wrong in my opinion and uh, the lack of humor is part of it I think that this film I have no idea, I didn't see the director's other whatever quirky romantic comedy that he did I will say this, the suit design has grown on me I love the fact that we're getting the lizard because he's one of my favorite rogues from Spider-Man's gallery. Uh, I like the fact that they're dwelling on Peter's parents, which was a huge part of the comics. I'm looking... I I think I got to look at it this way. The Raimi films were a loving ode mostly to the Stan and Steve era of Spider-Man from the 60s. I think what we're getting now is we're going to get a late 80s, early 90s take on the material which I, I am not upset about I mean it's Spider-Man I'm gonna I'll, shit I remember saying to my friends I'll fucking go see a Spider-Man movie if he's fighting Hydro-Man I don't give a shit because it's Spider-Man um, you know it's got Dennis Leary in it who I like when he does you know sometimes he's, he can be a pretty decent actor um, mm-hmm. is, he, is he playing uh, Captain Stacy Captain Stacy yeah I love Emma Stone she's like oh so adorable I just sounded like a total fucking fanboy right there. Um, I don't care. Uh, I think I think it could be very good. It looks like it's going to deliver on the humor, which I like. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, that's the thing. It's spite of when he's in costume, he's a happy guy. Yeah. He's having fun. He's a wise wiseacre. Yes, and that's what I always loved about him as a kid is that he's going to give you shit while he's beating the snot out of you and making you look like an idiot. So. Something Brian Michael Bendis has yet to get right. Person, I, my personal. <laughs> I haven't picked up a Spider-Man book in years, just because. I haven't. I, I've only seen Bendis write him in Avengers, and I gave up on that several years ago. He had him being just kind of a dick, like to the other Avengers, and it's like eh, that's not the no, Spider. Spider-Man would never be a dick because he was picked on his entire life. That is absolutely not what he is. <laughs> right, right. He's a he's kind of a dick to bullies. <laughs> to, yeah, he's a dick to guys like J. Jonah Jameson. Right, right. And then even still, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's not him just being a dick to be a dick. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I, I you know, I want to see the lizard. I want, you know, show me show me rogues that I haven't seen yet. I want to see the lizard. I want to see Craven. I want to see Electro. I want to see Mysterio, for fuck's yes. sake. When are we going to get to Mysterio? 
Let me, in the, let me. the Rhino. I want to see all oh. like, the original guys. The Rhino would be so awesome. And like it's... none of those guys can carry a movie separately. Do the goddamn Frightful Four or the Sinister Six. Who yeah. cares? Just throw oh. them in there. It would be a blast. And, and you know, I, uh, I will agree with you about your take about it being kind of a late hot 80s, early 90s uh, approach. Just because they're talking about all the stuff with Peter's parents. And I want to say that was... It was like 92, 93. We found out all that stuff with his parents and the Red Skull, and they were spies uh, and all that stuff. So, yeah. uh, so actually, I have not, I really haven't seen much hype for this film. I remember when I first saw the trailer, uh, the first teaser, at the end, they had the first person sequence of him web slinging. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, well, you ha- kind of have to do that because the Raimi films were so iconic in the way that they handled the web slinging. Mm-hmm. If you did it in the same way, it would just be, it would kind of pale by comparison. It would, it really couldn't live up to that. So we got to turn turn it around and do it in a different way. So I thought that was neat that they did it in a different way. But um, you know, I'm I'm kind of a minor Spider-Man fan. I mean, I think everybody again, like Batman, has a certain level of affection for Spidey. Uh, but I'm certainly not a, a huge Spidey fan. But I mean, I, I think this. I think it looks. It, it looks. I said it. It's hard to say. I think it looks interesting. I don't know that I've seen enough to really say I'm excited for it, but I, I welcome. I'm with you. I welcome the lizard. After they teased the lizard for three movies, we're finally that's, getting them, albeit in a different series. That's <laughs> the only thing I regret about the Raimi films. It's like, why wasn't the lizard? It should have been the lizard in the third movie instead of Venom. It should have been the lizard instead of Venom. I had no problem with Sandman, but if it had been Sandman in, like, say, the lizard in the first half and then Sandman in the second half, I'd had no problem with that. And I loved that version of Sandman. I'm like, you know, for what Raimi's doing, I really like that. He should have just been the only intact because you already had Harry in there too. That right. was more than enough. And, and what and what they and what the stuff with Venom. Part of that came from Sony. So yeah, I know. Put Venom in there, guy. Put Venom in there. And I'm a huge old school Venom fanboy. Okay, I mean the original like Amazing Spider-Man 300 for a long time was like my favorite comic, just because of all the stuff with with the you know the original take on Venom before. Uh, Eric Larson kind of made him a little outlandish, you know, and then then he became. I mean, I, and I loved him when he was Lethal Protector and all that too. Don't get me wrong; I still have all those, but you know, old school Venom was where it's at. But anyway, um, you know, I I mean, I, I think that this is kind of informed also by Ultimate Spider-Man, the idea of him being a young kid again, and um, you know, getting back to, like you said, having some more humor. Something Ultimate Spider-Man was known for early in its run was that it was getting back to the more lighthearted sort of approach than the Spider-Man books had become at that time. You know, and, and now we've kind of turned it around where the Ultimate Universe has to be super, super serious all the time, and the mainstream Spidey books are, are, are supposed to be fun, you know? Or Spidey book, I should say. It's, it's down to one book now. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, what I've seen of it looks pretty neat, but I haven't seen enough to really, you know, get it built up in my, in my mind. It's like, oh, my God, I want to see, uh, you know, ASM. But, hey, yeah. always happy for the lizard. Wearing a lab coat when he turns into a lizard, like cartoon. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I have that toy. I've got the toy biz lizard with the lab coat with the vinyl lab coat, and it's oh, yeah. and it spins. Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> it's when when I first saw when they were casting it and saying they were making it. It was I was writing it off as being the sort of having that sort of WB look to it. You know what I mean? the with the cast and stuff but then when i saw that kid as 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 spider-man more than peter parker 
But there's the scene where he gets in the cab and stuff, and and he's making wisecracks. And then I was like, okay, that that's one of the things that was missing. And and at, at that point, I was I was kind of excited to see it. The the only thing that's holding me back on it is I just hate having to see the origin origin again. stories yeah. over again. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I know it, and I don't, you know, I know there'll be a little different twist on it or whatever. Well, but oh yeah, big I don't twist. need He's it. Actually, going to have web shooters. Oh. <laughs> How can I forget that? Regular web shooters. Awesome. Yeah, finally. But, but it, you know, but I, you know what I mean. I I I don't I don't I I was kind of I was kind of hoping to get I was. In the first spy, in the first Sam Raimi, I was sort of like, let's get the origin done in the first ten minutes and get down to. <laughs> yeah, I, you can't do that though. Yeah. I know, I know. Fanboys, we want that, but you know, I think the the norms want that origin story. It just it's weird to me. I it, it's weird to me that I don't think the R- Raimi version is so far removed right now that a reboot is. I you know they should have just been like well let's just go on with it and maybe like dump the continuity but not you know start it over from the very no, beginning. they could have very much taken just like james bond and kept going with it just but kept going yeah. they've chosen not to it's spider-man you know so it doesn't match up perfectly with the raimi spider-man it's a different spider-man but it's still a spider-man story you know yeah, I mean, spidey's origin is pretty fairly iconic at this point you know yeah it's like Superman it, in that respect i would love a new superman movie where we didn't get. I mean, Super, Superman Returns kind of did this, where it simply referred. You know, it was assumed we all knew it and moved on. Yeah, and I mean, all you need for Spider-Man is bitten by radioactive spider. You don't even have to say assumes the powers of spider because his name is Spider-Man, bitten by radioactive spider. Okay, we get it. You know, not that. And and as far as living with his aunt and uncle. You know, and his uncle getting killed. It's like fine. You you can just start his living with his aunt, and you know maybe they go visit Uncle Ben's tombstone or something. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I don't know. I, I think yeah, because they're gonna have to drive home again. The with great power comes great responsibility. Do it in a flashback. Yeah, true. In a flashback. You have them go to the to the uh, you know to the it's it's Sunday, so after church they go to the yeah. graveyard, and and Aunt May puts flowers on him, and he has his flashback about God. you know. God knows they do it enough in the comics, you know. So, I mean, but again, you know, we're not highly paid Hollywood movie executives. What do we know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so, well, there's really only one left. Which, which one's is, that one? The, the romantic comedy? Yeah, the big one. Oh, the, the big, big one. one. Oh, the big one. Yes. The uh, uh, Aven- Avengers? The oh, Avengers. The, well, the Avengers. They're bringing back um, Emma Peel and John Steed, right? Right, right. Oh, wait. It's, is that a remake? It's a, sequel, it's a sequel to the remake reboot yeah. that nobody yeah. wanted, that I, nobody I, saw. I think Diana Rigg has a cameo in this one. Hmm. Yeah, Ooh. she's 175 years old. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and still thanks hot. For, thanks but... for ruining it for me, man. <laughs> I want uh, <laughs> I watched Honor Majesty's Secret Service a couple weeks ago, and it's like, she was so hot in that. It's, I tell you what, you know what? Even in, like, the great Muppet caper, she still looked pretty dang good. Yeah, you know? she did. But yes, the Avengers comes out on Star Wars Day of all days. May 4th? May the 4th. May, May the 4th be with you. <laughs> yeah, intentional? You make the call. But, uh... uh 
No, I mean, what 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 can we say about Avengers that hasn't hasn't been said during the build up to Avengers? You know, um, the the only reservation, the only reservation I have about this, and and I have been called out, I have been called names, I have been insulted, I have been. Uh, You're in a safe place here, Luke. I know that I'm saying generally <laughs> is that I am concerned about Joss Whedon being involved in this film, and I will tell you why. First off. Joss Whedon has a knack for writing incredibly stupid dialogue. Joss Whedon wrote what is generally considered to be the single worst piece of superhero dialogue ever, which was Storm's line in the first X-Men about, do you know what happens to a toad that's struck by lightning? And to this day, he blames Halle Berry for it. Now, oh, Halle Berry, I, 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 I'm gonna, I'll side with him on that. Her delivery sucks. Now, now, hear me out. Halle Berry okay, is a terrible yeah. actress, but that line would have been garbage if Lawrence Olivier was reading it, Okay. Lawrence Sec- Olivier is Storm. Now that that's that would be a, a that would be a bold casting choice. <laughs> yes, but beyond that, okay, Whedon's only feature film was a financial disaster, and that was Serenity. Now, I personally think Serenity was two hours of gibberish. I have been told that I am an idiot who needs to be spoon fed because I didn't love every second of it. I thought Firefly was a joke. So the, the film version of it, it's not surprising that it was incomprehensible. Thirdly, I just read that the, um, he was very upset that he had to cut this long liberal tirade that Captain America originally made in his script. So I, all these things adding up to these little things like, I am, I am a little bit concerned about what Whedon is going to do when he has this film, especially after he was not involved at all in any of the films that preceded this. He didn't write and or direct any of the Avengers uh, earlier Avengers films. And now he gets to run with the big dogs on the big show? I'm a little concerned about that. Well, that being said, and I can... I I, I like Serenity and Firefly, but I didn't really... not a bit, I, I know what you mean about the dialogue, about his... It's a style of dialogue that I never really liked that's... But I gotta say, from the so far from the trailers and the couple of scenes that they put out of the Avengers, it looks pure comic book. Uh, I have, have to seen, agree. Have you seen the scene with uh, Iron Man and Thor fighting in the woods yet? I just I just saw that yesterday. It's pretty and, nice. It's fifty three seconds, but it's but yeah. It, it was very comic booky, and the early reports of it that are that are trickling in from Australia who. I, I think it was released on Wednesday. It's been Australia. released a couple of places already. Yeah. And and the initial reports are that it's fantastic. Yeah. The one review I read they said every penny of the two hundred million dollars was well spent. It's it's all up there on the screen and it's in full form. A uh, lot of good reports about Robert Downey Jr. But uh a lot it seems like people have a lot of good things to say about um Hawkman too. What's Hawkeye, what? Or not Hawkman, I mean um Hawkeye. Hawkeye in in this. So I'm looking I'm I'm actually looking forward to it. I haven't been that uh, all the all the Marvel movies have all I don't know why I should um be surprised anymore, but they've all been taking me by surprise. They've all been like ones that I've had little expectations for and then gotten sucked up into, so I'm really hoping 
that it's really important to Marvel that they do that with this movie too, that they really knock it out of the park. So it looks like they it looks like they might have, so Well, again, please don't misunderstand me. I am extremely excited about Avengers. Uh-huh. And I'm a huge, huge Iron Man fan. So the fact that we had two Iron Man films to build up to this, and it looks like Tony Stark is going to play a, a, a very strong role in this film, mm-hmm. and and hopefully he's not. Well, that's one of Scott's concerns was that there would be too much Robert Downey Jr. I don't, I don't think it'll be be too much of that. But you know the the thing is is that you know the uh, my you know in in the Marvel universe a lot of times nowadays, especially since Civil War, there's a tendency to write Iron Man as a real asshole. Which I don't like because that's not really Tony Stark. That that's a retroactive sort of oh yeah 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 he was always like that he was always like that. It's like no he wasn't. There's 40 years of published uh, published comics which contradict that point. And he had a character arc, right? Yeah. So you know I I mean I I'm I you know I personally hope he doesn't come across as a dick. I don't think he will. I think that the first two films got Tony Stark's personality pretty much dead on, and I think that'll continue. Uh, I think that the cast is great. Um, um, what we've, I mean, we haven't seen anything of Mark Ruffalo as, as Bruce Banner, so that's kind of an X factor, but, and we only saw, you know, a little cameo of Hawkeye in Thor, but, you know, between Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, the Black Widow, and Nick Fury, and, uh, even Agent Coulson, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, every one of these folks has, is, you know, knows how to play their character, you know, they, they know their shtick. Yep. I'm looking forward to seeing all those characters come back. Yeah, and the, and the Hulk is a cipher. I'm sort of hope my my outside hope on this movie is it revives a little interest in the Hulk. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see a Hulk sequel as well. Right, then it gets the and the, and it and it makes it plausible to have more Hulk movies. I would lo- I would really love to see that. And there's good signs of that in the previews that they that that the Hulk is gonna really kick ass in this. Yeah, I mean they they put him over specifically. You know, I well, mean, this it, is the the thing with the Hulk about this that I'm excited about is that it looks like Hulk is in full on superhero mode. That's yeah. what I, I've been waiting for. I want the Hulk. I want the Hulk from Earth's Mightiest Avengers cartoon. Well, you know, we we got a, and we got a taste of that at the very end of Incredible Hulk when he's fighting yeah. the Abomination. You know, and uh, as as the monster hero. You know, and and. Um, and but and it, and it's cliche because the line has been played on so many different commercials. But we have an army. Well, we have a Hulk. Yeah, you know, but it's, that's awesome. It's, it's awesome. It's like how what better way to put over the destructive force of the Hulk? People don't. I don't think people really understand how awesomely powerful the Hulk is. Like you, you, the average moviegoer, they, he's a. They think he's just a big muscle-bound, really strong monster. Yeah, yeah. But he gets stronger. You know, like exponentially stronger the more pissed you get him yeah to the point of where you know he's a viable foe for superman well so and, and what i'm what i am hoping for i know we, we've seen a lot of shots of like you you referred to earlier the clip they released of thor and iron man fighting and i've always been of the opinion that uh, uh iron man can go toe-to-toe with thor for a certain amount of time because because he's you know the, the, it's the nature of him after a while eventually magic will get better of tony uh until he can go back to the garage and engineer something better right right eventually his machinery is going to give out yeah and, and then he has to fig- go engineer a solution and then he can come back and fight another day and we've also seen on the first trailer we saw a shot of thor hitting uh, captain america's shield with mjolnir 
So we get, obviously, we're either going to get some kind of a mind control sequence or a training sequence where they're going to be fighting each other. What I really want to see is I want to see the, you know, Thor. And, Versus and, Hulk. Yeah, well, I want to see Iron Man go to toe-to-toe with the Hulk and just get outclassed in strength because he's not, he's wearing his regular duds and not the Hulkbuster. And then Thor, you know, try to hit him with Mjolnir and get, like, no response. You know? Or, or to knock him, like, through, like, a mountain and then Hulk come right back at him kind of thing. Just put over the Hulk as, you know, this, he's, he's not just a big green monster. He's a... He, you he, throw him at an army. He's yeah. Essentially, the Hulk is like a 10-foot-tall version of Godzilla. He is an engine of destruction. <laughs> now you're getting me all fucking pumped up, man. <laughs> yes, he is an engine of destruction. <laughs> I, I got to say, Chris, I'm not surprised that if there was a classic Avenger you'd be, you would be interested in, that it would be the Hulk. That doesn't surprise oh, yeah. me at least. It, and I hear somebody tells him to smash in this. I hear somebody. Oh yeah, it's in one of the previews. It's yeah. cap. It's it's cap. Oh yes, good. I do gotta admit that was something I really really liked in the Incredible Hulk. You know, Hulk only has three lines. Puny the, human. <laughs> no, I'm not, not even in this. It's in the first movie. That was his All right. Movie. But his three lines in the Louis Leterrier film, I think, perfectly summed up the Hulk. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. The second was Betty. And, and Hulk smash. Smash. I mean, does anything else describe the Hulk other than leave me alone, Betty, and Hulk smash? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? <laughs> uh, although, yeah. although I would really love the sentence, uh, you know, the simple sentence, simple speaking sentence Hulk where he's just like, why does pu- puny human insist on on fighting Hulk when he knows the Hulk will crush him and you know I you, you I guys, love you guys want to you guys want to spoil it for the Avengers sure yeah I'll, I'll, sure. you want you want to know one of the Hulk's lines yeah of course puny god <laughs> <laughs> now you see if you introduce the concept of Hulk having rudimentary speech you know what you can do then is your sequel your Hulk follow up film you can do Planet Hulk. Ah, forget that. I want to see the leader. They introduced it. You got to follow through with it. I would love to see the leader, but gotta admit, a Planet Hulk movie would be pretty bananas. <laughs> yeah, I think you got to have him a little more Earthbound first. <laughs> Especially yeah. since when you introduce the Avengers, you can have Tony be the one putting him in the spaceship. <laughs> Actually, hey, well, they, they are going to get around to Doctor Strange, so. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, throw Namor in there too. You're good to go. <laughs> Namor, I think, would be a hard sell. I think he would just be a a, a hard sell, just like Aquaman. Aquaman wouldn't be no, a hard so sell anymore you know because they have that that TV show where the guys play an Aquaman in it, and they could play I, off that. I I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why Namor won't be a hard sell anymore because he's fucking the underwater version of Tony Stark. Yeah, he's also but, a tycoon. I was gonna say with and but but he's also kind of like Thor too. He's arrogant. He's uh, you know too too powerful. Kind of royalty. Yeah, he's hot headed. You know, invades Earth every couple of years because he gets pissed off. It, it, it's know. fun because N- Namor is one of the two characters that and I think every fanboy wants to see the Rock play, and the other is Black Adam. I'd rather see the Rock as Black Adam than Namor. He could do them both though. <laughs> the I Rock would be a really good Black Adam. You're totally right oh my god that would be it's great it's gotta play black adam <laughs> i just don't know who you get to play captain marvel 
If they're gonna bring anything back, I really want them to bring back Howard the Duck. <laughs> you can do Howard the Duck now. How, you know what I mean? You could get away with making Howard the Duck R like it needs to be, too. Yes, like true Howard the Duck, you know. I mean, you could you could do it. The only thing I will say that I, you know, as awesome as that would be to get an R-rated Howard the Duck, we I really wish we could have gotten something like that when Steve Gerber was alive. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, if Steve Gerber was given the, the go-ahead to write a Howard feature that was R-rated, you know how fucking off the wall it would be. Yeah, you were going to see Beverly's boobs every two seconds. <laughs> you sort of you sort of got, uh, I don't know if Gerber wrote a lot of it or any of it, but you sort of got a feel of that with the Howard the Duck magazine. Yeah. They got away with a little bit. Of, that wasn't really an R. That was just like a hard PG-13. So, well, I would have occasional nudity, you know? Yeah, the Marvel magazines, because they were magazines, they, could, they weren't code. Right. You could get away with it, which I think is kind of funny now when Marvel reprints, um, excuse me, like in the Essential Tomb of Dracula volumes, when they reprint the stuff from the magazine, sometimes there's some, uh, some toplessness that they have to go back in and redraw because they can't have that in the... You know the the show in the that size. Well, you know, well the ascent. Yeah, the essentials books are all ages. So even though they're reprinting magazine material, they got to go back and, and clean it up. You know, just Boo. a fun artifact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what you else? know, <laughs> what else can we say about the Avengers though? I, I like look I, growing up and watching Spider-Man and his amazing friends and reading comics and having action figures and I, this is like. I can't describe how incredibly excited I am for this movie. Really, I, the the thought of an Avengers movie has probably been pretty much, in my mind, implausible forever. I never would think that there would be any way that they could sell it and get people excited for it, except for the fanboys, which isn't enough to sell a movie, you know, to get the... But they did it. They They came up with a plan, and I remember when they came up with their plan... And they're like, and then there'll be an Avengers movie in 2012. And I'm like, 2012? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know, people are going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to keep interest in it in that time. But <sighs> they're, they they stuck to their plan and it worked. And they, they, you know, they did a good job with every movie and they, you know, they built an audience. Mm-hmm. It, they, and, they, and they built and they brought in an audience with four films i mean five technically but i'm counting iron man and iron man 2 together with four films that appealed to different segments Mm -hmm. you you had a a sci-fi action movie with iron man and iron man 2 you had essentially a monster movie with the incredible hulk i mean you know i remember seeing the incredible hulk and little and when he's fighting the abomination little kids are crying you know, because it, it's, it's, it's a real, they're smash, mushing each other's faces into bricks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it was then, awesome. Then <laughs> you've got a, a, a high fantast, a high fantasy sort of film, you know, contrasted with the mundanity of, of Midgard. And then Captain America is a period piece. So you got four totally different approaches and we're bringing them all together. And it's like, that's what the Avengers is about. It's, it's, you know, and, and on that day, Earth's Mightiest Heroes stood assembled. It's not the Fantastic Four where we've, or the X-Men, it's like, oh, we share a common thing that binds us. Right. Oh, we're the baddest of the badass. And when the shit hits the fan, you got to call us, you know. And, and that's never been tried before on this scale. I mean, they, they were going to make that Justice League movie. I'm, I'm kind of glad it fell through, you know, because 
without the setup, <laughs> yeah. it would have it, it might have just been a big old jumbled mess. Here we're yeah. in with like we know who all these people are. I think the most significant new character introducing is Maria Hill. So, <laughs> you know, to be honest, the of all those movies, but you know, when they were all in the planning stages and all that, the only one I had any interest in was the Hulk. And Iron Man, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, whatever. And I was, I was a little curious because John Favreau is a good director. And then, you know, when I saw Iron Man, it was, it was a revelation because I was just like, wow, somebody's actually taken the time to do it right. Nobody's done that in a long time. Yeah. And then that sort of opened my mind to the other movies a little bit. But I, I, you know, I, I, I was down for Iron Man too, and. And I was definitely down for the Hulk, but with with Captain America, you know, I was sort of like, ah, and Thor, I was sort of like, ah, we'll see. Uh, you know, I was very doubtful that they were going to be able to pull off Thor. I was just like, I don't know how, how you could pull that off and make it appealing to anybody who doesn't isn't a fan of Thor. And I'm, I, I liked Thor during the Walt Simonson phase. Mm-hmm. But that was mostly because I think Simon said was writing it too. It was yeah, just yeah, doing all of it. And 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 I was really into it then, and then I lost interest after it and before. But both of those movies, but Captain America actually, by the time Captain America came out, I was pretty much convinced that I was gonna love it. Yeah. But and but that was because of Thor, because I was like, ah, we'll see about this. This might be entertaining, and I was like, yeah, that was really. Yeah. Well, the thing I thought that that worked best with Thor was you know Norse mythology maybe not to the extent of Greco-Roman mythology because it's not taught in schools like Greco-Roman mythology is but you know mythology generally plays well and people can relate to that and 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 what's funny is that I predicted the story of Thor about two years before the script was written uh, I had the bad guy being the absorbing man instead of the destroyer. But other than that, I basically said, okay, Thor's going to do something stupid in Asgard. He's going to piss off Odin. Odin's going to banish him to Earth. Loki's going to be pulling the strings behind the scenes. It's like Thor is not a difficult concept. Right, right. But when you give it the gravitas it deserves and you, and you treat the material with you know, some, uh, you know, some respect, it, it's, it's, it's not rocket science to make it uh, appealing at the same time but, but also he did you know i mean he also was smart enough not to make it too heavy-handed either so you it know had, it, it had a light touch yeah and it worked perfectly you know it, it got me sucked right you know and got and, me sucked and, into it and it got me even you know liking the character of thor and you know that then and the thing that's great because it's very similar with iron man as a character who is almost all and i'm a huge iron fan iron, iron man's my favorite comic book character of all time Okay, and he routinely is derived. Oh, you can't relate to Tony Stark, you know? No, no, he's unrelatable. He's unlikable. You can't. You, he's worthless. And it's like, but Robert Downey Jr. showed us how we can relate to Tony Stark because, you know, it's the old guys want to be him and girls want to be with him sort of situation. <laughs> because he's a scoundrel, but he's a lovable scoundrel because he's charming, you know. Whereas with Thor. You know, Thor to me is a character you can't really relate to. I mean, how how as a mortal do we relate to a god? Because well, he has feet of clay, just like anybody does. Feet of clay. And the the scene to me that that humanizes him is when they're in the coffee shop. He goes, "That was good. Bring another." And he throws, <laughs> throws the mug down. 
<laughs> and and Natalie Portman yells at him, and he's like, "Okay, I won't do that again." It's like, <laughs> and now now we can relate to this guy. He he's not, yeah, he's uh, braggadocious, but he's not a buffoon. Right, know? right. He realizes that he's been taken down a peg, and and also it helps that it, it was Natalie Portman that took him down a peg, and oh, she could take me down several pegs. Oh. <laughs> But, yeah, that this. I, well, see, the thing the thing that worked for me in Thor was, you're waiting for him to get the hammer back. You're waiting for it. You're waiting for it. Yeah. And then he breaks in and he and he goes to grab it and he can't lift it and he just collapses. And then Loki comes in and just gives him all that sh- all the lies and he just like, oh, I feel so bad for him. Mm-hmm. It was great. Loved it. Yeah. yeah, that was hard. That was a hard sell to to pull off. And, and Hemsworth did a good job with it. It could have very easily been just melodramatic. Yeah, I they mean, did a good job of, of making it, making us feel, you know, the the connection there. Uh, Branagh was the perfect choice. It mm-hmm. was a, a stroke of genius. But yeah, I'm, I am I am very very excited for Avengers. Actually, uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to scam a way that my wife and I can can take like half a day off and go see the movie together because she's seen all the Avengers movies with me. So she's a, you know, she she's right there with this one. Um, the only thing I want to say is, uh, so uh, do we think we're getting scrolls or uh, as we as we, we are not getting the scrolls? Scrolls. We that, are not. That that may be for the best. I mean, scrolls do add, add in a whole new element of uh, of Marvel uh, continuity that we may not necessarily want to get into in the. In the that's first. the big. That's the that's Marvel's thinking. It's like we we just got these guys together. You can't introduce shapeshifters and all that stuff yet. Um, I believe they are calling them the Chitori. Okay. Uh, from the Ultimate uh, line. Yeah. Um, I would have had it be the Kree. Well, it's humanoids with big ass robots. <laughs> there is a uh, potential spoilers that I could give out. I don't know if I should because I I spoiled the shit out of this movie for myself. But uh, <laughs> let's just say that there's a major player from the Marvel Cosmic Universe that gets introduced. Oh, good. All right, so Quasar on the big screen. Fuck Quasar. Wait, hey, Quasar is a former Avenger. Everybody's a former Avenger. I'm a fucking former Avenger. <laughs> that that is not true. I'm pretty sure Iron Fist was never an Avenger. He's a Karate Man. Karate Man don't need to be Avengers. They off it's, doing their own thing. Luke Cage was an Avenger, but he's not a Karate Man. He's an Urban Dude. <laughs> well, Urban Dude and Karate Man team up. That was their book. It was called Power yeah. Man and Iron Fist. Now yeah, there's and a, Power a, Man wore a fucking. That's a TV. That's a TV series. I could see. It's called it's Heroes actually the, Fire. It's actually the biggest selling interracial gay porn title of all time. <laughs> you know what? You know what's sad is that, <laughs> that title, when that title was at its peak, there were more recurring female characters than there were male characters. There were there were so many women in that book, and then Luke and Danny. You know, <laughs> after a while, it was it became you know there were certain. I was like, okay, so this an issue where it's just the daughters of the dragon? Do we get Power Man and or Iron Fist in this at all? <laughs> the daughters of the dragon were probably uh, pretty popular with teenage boys. I love the daughters of the dragon, man. I'd love. I, I tell you, I would. I have often said, you know, Heroes for Hire as a weekly TV series. Both their powers are easy to do on a TV budget. Right, you know, right. About a third of the way through the first season, you introduce Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. They're rival agencies. Then they become friends. They're fighting against, I don't know, Bushmaster, maybe. 
you know, as, as the big crime boss in the city. That stuff writes itself. New clients show up at their door every week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just like the A-Team. Yep. You know, I was looking at our list. That wasn't our last movie. What else do it's, we have? It's oh. another reimagining remake or reversion of... It was originally a book, but Total Recall. Recall. You know, you, you mentioned the book. Would it have killed them to name this movie We Can Remember It For You Wholesale? It probably I, would have killed them. <laughs> it would have. It would have. It would have. It would have taken a serious percentage of the profit off it to not I, call I, it Total Recall. I used to be annoyed that the, every time a Dick movie got made in, or excuse me, a Philip K. Dick book was adapted into a movie, they would change the title. Until I read a quote from Philip K. Dick where he said that writing the books is relatively easy, but thinking of titles is the absolute hardest thing for him to do, and he's never happy with any of the titles. Very few of his titles really roll off the tongue for... Yeah. They're, they're, like, The Man in the High Castle, that's a good title for a for a book. Yeah. But, you know, Radio Free Albemuth. I don't know, you know. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, you know? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of wordy for a... So, but, so once, I, once I had that revelation, I'm like, okay, go ahead, change the title. That's fine. <laughs> if Dick doesn't care, why should I? You know? He don't care Dick. Dick don't care Dick. But um, I don't know. I'm my, uh, I have a good friend who's just like I think it looks awesome, and I'm like, why? <laughs> why yeah. do we need it? He's like, the first one was so campy, but uh, as as our listeners know, we just did, which we haven't recorded it yet, but we're doing a um a commentary on Scott and I are going to do a Total Recall commentary, and I just rewatched it to take notes for that. And it wasn't as cheesy as I remember it being. It, it wasn't as campy as I remember it being. And I just don't see the need to remake that film at all. You know, it's. I don't think it's really even aged that. I, I don't know. I just. It. It's not a. And the, and the first one was so colorful and, like, dynamic. And this one's got that washed out. Yeah, hyper detailed, but everything's black and gray and city looking. Yeah, uh, everything's gray. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I don't know. I, um, I, I saw one commercial for it. I have no interest in it whatsoever. I'll stick to the original. The original is is just like such a bucket of fun. Yeah, just just such a prototypical Schwarzenegger big sci-fi action movie. And it was really just on the cusp of before he got out of hand with his catchphrase. Uh, it's full of catchphrases, but it was when it was more, you know, it was when it was fresh and new and amusing and not as as something he felt Perfect. obligated to do. Yeah. So, I yeah, that's that's one that uh, I'm not. That's that's way towards the end of the summer, too. So I think they're I think that that's a bad sign. I don't think they want to compete. Yep. No, of course they don't want to compete. There's so many heavy hitters coming out in May, June, and July. I'll, I'll go out on a limb here. I think it looks entertaining. And, uh, yeah, I'm not big on remakes either. And I love the Arnold one. I mean, it's, it's one of his best so movies. So violent. It's so, it is so violent. So happily violent. Exactly. Ridiculous. It's great. We got three-titted women. We got <laughs> arms getting cut off. We got fucking fraternal that's you know twins stuck in people's bellies and shit and mutants and Arnold I, using people as human shields one of my favorite Arnold lines of all time is in it and it's not consider this a divorce it's when he finally gets started and get chased down by all the uh 
the bad guy is, what the fuck did I do wrong? That's amazing. <laughs> it's a great line. Ah. And, it, it, and it's a great movie, and I love it. Arnold Schwarzenegger, John Saxon. I mean, you can't argue with that. Yeah. I just... I. I don't know. I think the, I think the remake looks pretty good. I mean, obviously they're not going to go to Mars, so it's already they're going to take it one step away from the original one. I, you know, I don't I don't know what to expect. I mean, it looks very similar to the first one. I like Colin Farrell. He can be very entertaining. He can be a good actor. Yeah. I, I mean... don't think it's going to be the greatest movie ever. And especially coming from Len Wiseman, who I don't think much of. In particular, but uh, I don't know. I think it why do good. it unless you're going to top it or 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 take you know take a yeah. bold fresh. I mean, I'm thinking of it as an artist, I guess, and not as like we as we could present it and make more money than it cost. You know, right. which is what's going to happen. And what happens with a lot of these remakes is they come out and they they don't end up eclipsing the originals ever they just become a little side note that ends up at, in people's garage sale dvd bins you know yeah like, i mean i'll I'll, I'll wait for the reviews on it i mean if people say it's a decent movie i'll probably go see it i mean i'm not gonna, i'm not going to be rushing out there day 1 you know for it there's but... so many other philip k dick books too that you could adapt into a brand new movie but i guess a philip k dick isn't really the selling point of it either no no, they're selling it on Total Recall. <laughs> yeah, it's the name of it. Yeah, and you know, part of it is is kind of a uh, is I think it's mar- well, I think at least for me, it's marketing is working in a counterproductive manner because if I hear about the remake of Total Recall, it just makes me want to watch the original Total Recall. Yeah, which I and, already own. So, <laughs> and you're gonna have so much fun watching that, right? And if you you watch that and then go into the movie theater, well, hopefully, hopefully, you know. You never know. You can never tell by the previews. It could be something so fantastic, and they're like, well, we don't want to show all the good stuff right now. And it's also coming out in August, so it might not even be done yet, you know? You never know. I mean, it could be something where it looks like it's just kind of rehashing, but maybe it takes in a new direction. I you think know? it does, because I know they're not going to Mars. Going to Mars. Well, I've never read the original book. It might be more of a direct adaptation of, of the book. You know, then, then I don't think we're getting that either. <laughs> but you know, at the, the same token, you know, one of the very first films that the three of us ever talked about was The Thing, which and, is a remake. Which is a remake, and it's but it's a fantastic movie because it takes the the premise of the original. That's and, what I'm saying. You know, and puts it in a new direction. So you never can tell with these remakes. Sometimes it's blatant. This one, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know what to expect with the remake of Total Recall. Do yeah. I think it's be as good as the thing? Probably not. But then again, it's not directed by John Carpenter and does not star Kurt Russell. So, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing out coming out this summer with Kurt Russell in it that I see either. Too that's Carpenter for really that. Disappointing. Yeah, Carpenter. I expect you know I'm he's not pumping them yeah. out anymore. He he just put one out in the last couple of years. So I was going to say the closest thing we got to John Carpenter is Alice Cooper being in Dark Shadows. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so which ones are we looking for? What, 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 what's, what's getting our money opening night? Which ones are we going to with, uh, with, with, with boners at full staff and uh, popcorn in hand? Well, I know for a fact that I probably Avengers will be like that for me because I have friends who are going and I'll hop on with them. Well, yeah. But that's, Prome- I mean... Prometheus is Prometheus is a movie that I'm really like. I can't wait to sink my teeth at. Uh, you know, I'm lo- the Avengers is going to be fun, 
but if Prometheus is what I'm thinking it's gonna be, it's gonna be like one. It's gonna be one for the one for the record books for the ages yeah so hopefully i'm i'm sort of hoping for that i'm hoping for a real like combination summer movie and cinema experience with prometheus you know that's something extra whereas most everything else for with like avengers um probably after avengers would be oh god um, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm just gonna, I'm, ex- I'm expecting fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Men in Black 3 will probably be one I'll check out in the theaters. Piranha 3, triple, 3DD, double D. <laughs> we'll see how much, see how my finances are doing. You know, it's, that's in June. So I may be able to, to pull that off. But all the other, like the, all the other ones are going to be sort of wait and see. Dark Knight Rises is going to be like you know i mean i feel like i have to see it by the amount of of shit talking i've done of dark knight and stuff well i think but, we're uh, all going to end up seeing that one i, well, I just... actually cabin in the woods is also one i'm going to run out and see and and make sure i i'm not going to like download a bootleg of Cab- cabin in the woods prometheus or the avengers those are all ones that i plan on seeing in their whatever their form is i don't know which are any of those 3d i believe avengers you can see in 3d yes which i'm not gonna bother doing i I don't think i will either i just want to see it on a big ass screen with (laughs) beautiful sound with loud sound yeah yes yeah i mean you know for me uh avengers definitely um gi joe retaliation is a absolute no-brainer um, if we're in, in a perfect world where I could go to the movies as much as I wanted, Prometheus would be absolutely first weekend. And, uh, I gotta say, I probably would, you know, go with my wife to see Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, that having been said, I don't live in a perfect world, but I am going right. to find a way to see Avengers and G.I. Joe. Bar none. I was going to say, with a, with a wife and kid makes Prometheus a hard sell, you know. <laughs> it does, you know. Yeah. And and the rest of them, for the most part, you know, catch them on DVD or uh, or or see what people say. I mean, dark. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be renting running out to rent Dark Shadows unless you know I, someone whose opinion I trust says, "Oh, Luke, this is hilarious." Go see. Well, it. I was just going to say some of these movies that I'm questionable about could be turned around by somebody saying, "Oh my God, I totally expected this to suck." I think that's like the the 21 Jump Street movie did that with a lot of people. I noticed a lot of reviewers were like, "Oh God, I was just you know." dragging my feet to go in to see this movie and it turned out to be very fresh and original and and i heard a lot of reviewers say that so i'm not i'm you know i'm not discounting that that could happen with a lot of these movies possibly yeah yeah what about you Uh, well avengers is a given i mean come on i've been waiting for a superhero mashup movie for my entire freaking life so that's obviously getting my money probably more than once <laughs> uh prometheus yeah i'm a huge alien mac and uh i just think that looks really entertaining and i don't know what to expect so i want to have a little uh a little fun with something i don't know what's going to happen with and uh yeah, probably. I'll definitely, I'll definitely be there opening weekend for Spider Man. Just cause same thing. I'm a huge Spider Man fan, and uh, GI Joe without a doubt. Cause I mean, come on, it's GI Joe. That's yeah, my, yeah. That's my era. But uh, the other stuff, I mean, I'm 
I don't think I'm going to see uh, Dark Knight Rises the opening week just out of protest for the fact that I want more superhero in my superhero movies, as I've said before on other podcasts. So, um, yeah, I'll end up seeing it just because I want to see how they're going to finally do whatever Nolan's going to do. I'm a little interested to see how he's going to end it. But uh, I, w- I would be you know. most pleased if that movie ended up being really good. That would be the most like out of nowhere thing is like go like calling up Scott and going, you know, I went to see Dark Knight Rises, and dude, I gotta tell you, it was really good. <laughs> I just haven't seen anything from the trailers and that that make it look like it's gonna be super exciting. Right, which would make it all the more impressive if it actually was, but yeah, I'm not gonna hold my breath for that possibility. It's like uh, two villains again, really, and Bane's I'm trying to of- stay open for it, open to it. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, boys, I'm, I'm glad that we got did this. It was fun to talk about these movies. I think that all of us genre fans have one heck of a summer ahead of us, no matter what side of the genre you lean towards or favor. I think there's something coming out that'll appeal to just about anybody this summer. Yeah, it looks like a good crop. Yeah, get your popcorn ready. Yeah. <laughs> Jujubees. Bonbons. Bonbons. I like I like Twizzlers. Have you have any have, have either of you got? I don't think I've ever eaten a bonbon in my it's life. That I've been aware of. ice cream nibs. Oh, okay. So I've had something similar to a bonbon. Then I guess. Yes, it's ice cream. They're all right. But nowadays, every freaking movie theater's got like a Ben and Jerry's in it. So like, you better off just getting freaking three scoops instead of the little thing of bonbons. Exactly. I'll just I'll just stick to my hot tamales. Oh, hot tamales. Those are good too. Caramba. I like to fuck with people and take the take the red uh, Mike and Ike's out and put hot tamales in there. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> forget forget cutting the bottom of the popcorn bag out. I'm I'm fucking, I'm fucking with you, Mike and Ike's. <laughs> Working on your psychological. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah, you'll leave some of them normal. <laughs> yep. You'll never know. Then bam. you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to twotruefreaks.libson.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. (laughs) 
You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.